0: And welcome back to the Grapple, that once in a while podcast from us here at LinkToTheCast.eu, where we put the video games to one side and talk about the wrestling. Sadly, on this episode, uh, one Barry Murphy, who has been on every episode so far, uh, is not here. He is he is busy with other commitments. He's on assignment, we'll say, on assignment for this week. So I'm joined by the sister wives, uh, Mark Robinson. How are you? Hi, I uh, you
1: could call me, you could call me the Jinder Mahal. He's AJ Styles. Well actually we were, were we not, at, at this point go
0: 3MB analogy?
1: I, I at this point I guess that will actually make me um a step above. Um sure I'll be the I'll be the, the Heath slater because Slater's gonna slate. You, you need this job? I do. I do. I don't have kids. I'd rather keep it that way. Sorry, Laura, if you ever listen and to Name
2: to you Galloway. <laughs>
1: his <laughs> entrance music is fucking awful. He's his new one. It is. It, it, it's it's not quite it's not quite as great as the old one. It's like it, it's, it's bagpipes and then just the worst kind of like uh, diet Coke variant of sludge rock. It's it's. I really wonder. Bad.
0: I wonder is the closed captioning on NXT for his theme song just Scottish noise?
2: <laughs> it might as well just be called fucking hashtag Scotland. That song.
0: <laughs> yeah. Scotch distortion.
2: Um yeah. No, but, but for real for real heel dickery call it that song hashtag Scotland. Like you have to go to iTunes and type in hashtag Scotland if you want to listen to it extracurricular activity style. <laughs> and then you should have a massive the indignation hashtag. On
1: his trunks. If so you sure.
0: couldn't if you if you couldn't tell, we're also joined on the line by the Roman Reigns of Audio, Jack Lazell. Not quite true yes, that way. That that hi. incredible hi. impersonation. <laughs>
2: Probably the worst Scottish accent ever attempted on audio. Oh, I I would You're ruin I'm, your
1: little party. I'm pretty sure I could do a worse
0: one. <laughs> oh Mark Mark Robinson Master of Accent's exactly. certainly
2: good. Mark, what would you say your number one accent was in the <laughs> accent quiver?
1: Uh <sighs> It's probably a, a redneck accent. I can I can kind of do one, but after that, like I've been what in Ireland for a year and a half, still can't do an Irish accent at all. Do it? Pff, no, <laughs> just no, not a chance.
0: <laughs> he doesn't want actual documented evidence of his horrific accents.
1: Exactly. I've been uh, treat-
0: i uh, over the year he's been living here. I've been treated to many, many accents, and they're. One thing I will say is they're in their own way. They're each my favorite one and they're each the best one.
1: (laughs) You could say I'm consistently awful. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's a real level of consistency we strive for here on the program. But let's talk about the professional wrestling, guys. And speaking of uh, consistently poor, the um, we're recording the, the first half of this uh, program before, uh, kind of on one week and recording the second half on another week. We're going to talk uh, a little bit about WWE in this half and some of what's going on in the indies. And uh, the back half of the show, myself and Jack are going to sit down because we are attending Progress's Super Strong Style 16 uh, this weekend as we're recording it, uh, and we're going to sit down uh, right after we've been to it and uh, and review it on the air uh, for you all. So let's gonna get the uh, the poor stuff out of the way. This weekend, well, we had two big WWE shows, and uh, I, I think we'll we'll pull the band aid off and we'll talk about the allegedly the the main show first and that was backlash which this year was a single brand pay-per-view uh brought to you by smackdown who have been careening off a cliff for the last couple of months since we did our last show all full of hope and sparkles for the smackdown brand um mark you try to stay conscious watching this with me jack have you seen any some all of backlash yet
2: i i, I kind of fast forwarded three parts of it in preparation for the show here you, you have had the optimal viewing experience i can tell you because watching it
0: at actual speed was not a lot of fun to be honest with you mark your takes on this show
1: i think i was asleep within five minutes of ziggler and nakamura is is that yeah, about? I, I
0: tweeted i i tweeted out that the impossible that happened Dolph ziggler and WWE had contrived a way to put mark to sleep during a shinsuke nakamura match
1: Look, uh, you know, uh, he here's was, the thing.
0: He was legitimately, legitimately unconscious, asleep.
1: Here's the thing, and amazingly, I did wake up just as that match finished, or just as the next one started. So, yeah, just
0: th- as Breeze Angle were on the way to the ring, yeah. I believe.
1: Here's here's the thing. Um, I I think that this uh, this concern or this theory that Nakamura was was coasting. Uh, solely on the fact that he was uh, in in NXT and not on the main roster, I, I think there's a little bit more to it than that. I mean, there was the reports that before he came to the WWE that he was he was banged up and couldn't go the way he used to. I don't know. I don't know whether, whether there's more to it, um, and and that is you know just the way he is now, and he cannot perform at any kind of level like he used to. Um, mm. I mean, we'll see because obviously the match with him and Zane, his baby match oh. was was incredible, um, yeah. and perhaps that he's show, he's still he's still showing flashes as well at yeah, times where he, he feels like he's bothered. Perhaps the, the the real big matches, the the John Cena's and the AJ Styles matches, like we will see, you know, flashes of Nakamura as we know. Um, a, a lot of this also has to do with the fact that Ziggler is just trash and needs to be just. Thrown out and taken behind the barns and shot and be done with. Um, so yeah, that was that was that match. I don't know. I didn't really see it. I fell asleep. <laughs> wow. says it all. Yeah. No, I, I watched. Jack, what are we- I watched some of it this morning as well. It's just this. It's no good. It's no good. He's no yeah,
0: good. It was. It was. It was a bit of a sleeper for me. It was. It was very very dull. Nothing happening. Ziggler took a surprising amount of the match because I would have thought with a guy that you're building the whole pay per view around. I was surprised first that it was the opener um and and then on top of that that like in the guy's debut match where you're building him up like he is going to be one of the the like the, the two top baby faces on the brand and that he's good enough for a championship already um you have a match where ziggler who no one cares about who is beyond dead at this point takes a lot of it um before an eventual win from nakamura uh jack what are your takes on kind of uh Nakamura since he's come up to the main roster it's been really really kind of not weird. Helped. Yeah. What what do you think?
2: Um so I mean I saw I basically saw this match uh, live in in London. They had uh, Nakamura versus uh, Dolph as the sort of dark match main event of the of the London Smackdown show. And it was surprisingly similar to this match, as you could probably imagine. Except that, as you've also already put out, Dolph had way more offense, which I, I don't understand. I don't get what they're trying to achieve with him. I kind of find the whole him being called the artist thing kind of cool. Like I, I, I quite like it because it's a, a little bit different and he is a little bit different and he needs to be packaged that way. Yeah, I, 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 I think giving I'd,
0: them the so- nickname rather than like constantly beating you over the head with going with the full the artist known as Shinsuke Nakamura thing, I think if you just refer to him as an artist kind of casually or some of the time, uh would be fine. But they really do overkill it on commentary, I think.
1: It's a bit forced. It's yeah, a bit
2: tactile, uh... you know.
1: It still doesn't beat the Vintners Big Red. That's still my favorite nickname <laughs> they've tried to kind of shove... Uh, into parts of you over the last few years Uh, I suppose the big dog as well is pretty awful Uh, Uh,
2: Mauro Ranallo is screaming the face that runs the place (laughs) over and over again about 10 times in every John Cena match
0: yeah I enjoyed the the commentary call for a long time of, it's that submission move, the PTO pages tap out, that they would fully explain the acronym every single time she locked in the submission hold. That was a a particular delight.
2: It's a shame they didn't do the same when the STF was the STFU. (laughs) I I would have greatly enjoyed that. But as for what they're doing with Nakamura, does it appear that they know... What to do with Nakamura? I I kind of feel like if anybody had watched what they did with him in NXT, it was quite simple. You keep his promos and mic work to roughly around twenty thirty seconds, and then he kicked someone in the head. And then yeah. he has a match at a pay per view where he kicks someone in the head a few times and gets a pinfall, and and then everybody loves him because he's a physical embodiment of everything that is charismatic about the world.
1: Well, look, they've done yeah. the good thing by making him special by you know saving his debut match on the main roster till the pay per view. Um, yeah. It really, that, that was a good
0: idea. I, I think maybe I think maybe it went a couple of weeks too long because they very possibly. clearly didn't have enough ideas to get him on TV every week without having him wrestle.
1: No, uh, and um, also like what? some of the build was kind of awful. There was the week where he was um, doing the the promo with Mike Shield in his mouth and like just most of the the material between the two of them was was not very good. Um, like Ziggler isn't someone that does very well with written content. He's usually been better when he's kind of backstage and allowed to just go off on one um so yeah just uh, yeah. obviously the big issue is that no one believed for a second ziggler was going to win um but hey we, we're off to the races now we'll see what happens um i don't know what the, the long-term plan is i i actually tell a lie i know me and dave have discussed uh did, did big dave not you big dave but the other big dave did he mention kind of in public what the plans for next year's mania were Big no, Dave, Dave
0: Batista, David da- 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 yeah. de Gea hasn't talked about it
1: at all. No,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I uh, like how we uh, both Dave, reach for the same there's joke. There's so many there. Big yeah. Dave's.
0: <laughs> I know, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's quite a world. But now uh, Meltzer said that um, the plan for WrestleMania next year is Nakamura AJ as a SmackDown main event. Sure. So, um, like that was that was as of about four to six weeks ago, like around the time that he came up and started this <laughs> angle. Yeah, so. so you're
2: gonna say four or six minutes ago and it's already <laughs> changed. Like for me, Plan's if, they, changed, if they are gonna do that,
1: I would keep to having him not wrestle on SmackDown, just wrestle on the on the show, pay-per-views, um, and obviously just having Wintermania, whether they'll do that or not, remains to be seen.
0: Is he, I, I suppose the problem with that then is like if he's not going to actually be doing anything physical, then you have to rely on promo segments. Um, because you could do vignettes and stuff like that, like NXT do sometimes, but you can't really do that every month. True. Um, and, at, and at a certain point, without Cena and uh, with certain other people that we're going to talk about later on in the show, there is enough incentives not to watch SmackDown. You don't want to add, oh, Shinsuke Nakamura actually doesn't do anything on SmackDown to
2: that list uh, at the moment. Can it's, we it's, just, it's, it's an unenviable can, position. Can, can I just speak out here? Because Mark said some pretty strong words against uh one rudolphus ziggler as i believe his full name is um like what i liked Dolph ziggler and i still think i do like him i think he's got a great look and i think he's very athletic have the wwe failed him or or, or have people wanted him to be something that he kind of never was or what are they trying to do with him now or how would you guys rehab him like is um, there any question out of that you guys could answer do yeah, you think I,
0: I don't know um how mark feels about it. i don't think it's i don't necessarily know but something we've ever, ever talked about but um my whole thing is that it's uh, i think it's a perfect storm i think there is some extent to which wwe failed him they 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 pulled the trigger on him that one time uh having him cash in against el rio then unfortunately uh, he got the concussion so quickly afterwards, uh, and after that, they they got gun shy with him. They they rehabbed him again when he won that um, Survivor Series match, and it's things seem to be gathering behind him again. But yeah, sometimes the the way he's been booked and uh, the kind of aborted angles with him have failed him I think he's failed himself as well at times because he has been told um, reportedly on multiple occasions that he you know he's a little bit reckless and he needs to slow the fuck down because he's going to kill himself or somebody else Um, so I think there's, there's definitely that to it and yeah there's there's an extent to which the fans built him up um, as this sort of like, he's going to be the the next guy that we want. Uh, this was around the time that he, that he cashed in and won the title that they thought he was going to be the guy we want up in the main events and things like that. And I, I, I think people have held on to that idea of him for a little bit too long now without acknowledging the reality of where he is. And that the, all that happened about four years ago now. And, and since then, his star has just been on the wane. And I'd like to think, because, you know, it's wrestling, you can you can make up anything on the spot. But again, the main event of this show demonstrates that you can't just suddenly try to rehab somebody out of nowhere it'd be a real <clears throat> uh gradual thing you would have to do to ziggler and i i don't necessarily know if people would get on board with it this time around because it's a kind of we've been burned before factor what, what do you think Mark? no
1: i and like you can see that they still think he has some kind of weight to him like they put him in the uh, title match at SummerSlam last year with Dean Ambrose, which unfortunately was a complete bust both in the ring and just like the reception to it. And obviously, they put him in yeah, that, here with. That, that was at the, the height of uh, Dean Ambrose uh,
0: never getting out of second gear, wasn't yeah, it?
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and obviously, they still have some kind of faith in him because they put him in here with the first match with Nakamura. And obviously, they wouldn't have done that if they didn't trust him to go out there and deliver what was just a. Safe and sound and fundamental match, but I think that, um, yeah, over the last couple of years, um, the whole fucking Rusev uh program was horrendous um him going back and forth yeah, trading
0: it, it, like rusev rusev was the only one that really survived that yeah And
1: uh, that's the thing like because- it, it's a real testament to someone who can make something good out of something that's awful and rusev has consistently been able to do that and ziggler has consistently not been able to do that um what where, how much of that you want to put down to him or the company the, the fact remains that he over the last few years um He just, that edge, that factor that made him um, one of the more interesting parts of the show. Because, like, from 2009 up until 2013, he was one of the most interesting characters, performers, uh, you know, just bumped like a madman. And, obviously, you don't want him to be doing that as you get older.
0: And and he... he he was one of those guys as well, like a like a punk or a Brian, that people were really getting behind and going, No, we don't want the guys you want near the top because this was at like the height of where we were getting Cena and Orton all the time and things like that. Um they wanted the likes of him going higher and higher up the card and it just they never uh consistently pulled the trigger on it.
1: Yeah. Uh so it's it, it is a bit of both. And um like the the match with Miz, uh, uh, I think it was No Mercy last year was probably like the last kind of big hurrah for him. I think um, like it's it's going to take a monumental effort to try and rehab him back to something that he was, and I just don't think that um, the company have the right people in the place to do that for him um like i don't know whether a, a trade to raw would be good actually you know what to a certain degree if there is a person that would benefit from possibly going back to nxt a like what tyson kid did i think dolph ziggler would need that more than anyone else um yeah
0: i could see him going down and doing like as gator doing like cesaro did when he went down to feud with Sami Zayn. just yeah. to put him in with a guy that he'd be a good match with and um, get people to take him more seriously, have some good matches, get some confidence back, and then put them back on the main roster.
1: Yeah, anyway, we've been t- talking too far too long about a two yeah. and a half star match at best. So, moving on. Yeah, we'll, we'll move on. Uh, so the I, was... I
2: just was fascinated what people thought about Dolph Ziggler because, yeah, I, I was having all of this, these similar thoughts while I was watching him play out a very average match against Nakamura in the Big 02. And this was exactly the same fare here.
0: The Usos uh, retained the championship, defeating Brizango, which was a, 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 a it was a slow starter, but. Uh I I've really been loving one one of the things in the the post superstar shakeup uh, era of SmackDown that I've been really enjoying is uh, the the Fashion Police and their Law and Order style skits on the show. They've been a real highlight, um, and some of the comedy in, in, that they did in the match I I was laughing at and uh, appreciated that they managed to get Chicago chanting "Let's Go Grandma" at one point. I, I will um, say
1: this. It, I, I know we've seen a lot of things over the last couple of years in wrestling and certainly from WWE. I still, if you would have told me that I would have seen like a PWG style comedy tag match, probably involving Chuck Taylor, I'd have still said fuck off. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> that certainly was a night of firsts.
0: Yeah, it was, uh, it, it really heated up towards the end as well. It got really good. There was some good, um, um, uh, Vandango did a, a really good, uh, tope, uh, taking out the Usos that led to the finish. Um, Breeze got just completely bowled over the barricades. I thought he was going to land at the top of his head. Uh-huh. Uh, I think one he of you just tried to
1: save him as
0: yeah, he, threw him yeah over. he did. Yeah, tried to grab him back. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it, well, like it wasn't a great match, but it was it was pretty good. I think this would have been a like a a better opener to be honest, or it would have been a good palate cleanser maybe before the main event, uh, rather than what they actually put before the main event. Um, any thoughts on this, Jack? You, you are you a fan of Breezango?
2: yeah i absolutely am i think they're really entertaining And i think this is kind of about right for them as well i feel like they shouldn't really be champions necessarily i mean i wouldn't mind them kind of winning it like if they were doing a transitional thing and having them there for a while but i kind of feel like these two have the potential to get over not to perhaps the same degree as the new day but to get over kind of in a similar way with the fans where they yeah. they do this sort of shtick to the point where people just absolutely love them and they were over I, huge I, um I, I uh, was at was the thinking smackdown they... live show a few weeks ago in london yeah. and they just did backstage skits that were shown on the screen but people were going absolutely nuts for them before they came out for their match I was thinking they had the the capacity
0: to get over kind of like maybe to the extent that Rhino and Heath Slater did for a while last year, but I think their shtick is kind of a a little bit more sustainable than theirs, that they could keep it going for like a few months rather than, you know, Rhino and Heath Slater, it got a little old, a little quick,
2: to be honest. I mean, Um, I know this is a weird thing to say about Breezango, but I feel like people probably take them a bit more seriously than they do Heath Slater and Rhino, because Heath Slater... Has always been a joke. And will always be a joke. Uh, and you know Tyler Breeze is someone. They kind of try to do something with an NXT. Fandango is a guy that you know. He he has a win over Chris Jericho. On, on the biggest show of the year. Yeah. And, so, and let's not forget Tyler
0: Breeze wrestled. Jushin Thunder Liger. On an NXT takeover show. He
2: did. Yeah. Um, exactly. So I think they have a bit more cred as it were. And you know what? They're both pretty solid in the ring. Like I, as you say, Fandango's Tope. And I and I think the um the ending spot as well where where Jay Super kicks him off the top rope, that was awesome. Mm. Um
0: Sami Zayn defeated big Barry banter, Baron Corbin, uh, in Nearly fifteen minutes in what was, I think, one of Sami Zayn has like. A, a, it's not going to shock anybody that Sami Zayn is uh, a fantastic wrestler, but he has this, uh, this, this gimmick on the roster at the moment of being able to get pretty decent matches out of large, semi-mobile people. Um, and I, I thought this was an acceptable match. I've, I've really been like, I, I appreciate things that Baron Corbin does but I can't say I'm a fan of his in-ring uh product but uh I I thought this was this was okay. Um what do you guys think Mark?
1: It pulled me to fucking tears. It's a fucking dreadful match. <laughs> but ah but you see, on the on the list of how
0: bored you were by things, it was one of the matches that didn't put you to sleep. So it's above a couple of matches on this character. Sure, if you.
1: we're grading on that kind of fucking curve, then yes, I guess. It, <laughs> well, I, didn't I, I, I think to... we can definitely
0: say if a, if a wrestling match causes you to literally go asleep, it is worse than the ones that don't.
1: <laughs> yeah, I uh, you know I enjoyed seeing Baron Corbin win the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal um, at Mania 32. I, I won't lie. I was I was on my feet some tears were shed, you know, it was an emotional moment <laughs> between me and Keith Brony. But come on. Like, yeah, it the, was
0: also, beside beside me, it was the greatest moment of one Eamon Dalton's life.
1: But c- come on, like, he's tall. All right. Yeah. And then after that, you, you're really clutching a straw, sort of might thing. Like, when he was doing the whole burying the Indies gimmick, all right, yeah, that was kind of, I enjoyed <laughs> that, that was great. But, uh, you know, outside of that, A, apart from the fact that if you can't have, like, it's the, uh, the Billy Gunn rule, um, if you can't have an enjoy uh, like a, a decent match with, in his instance, it was Chris Benoit, then you're just no fucking good. And like, if you can't get have a decent match with Sami Zayn, then you're just no fucking good. And he's yeah. Like, I maybe they'll put the title on him. They fucking put the title on Jinder Mahal So I don't know. Maybe.
0: Um, oh, they, they oh they they will put that spoilers, title on him eventually. Really? Yeah, <laughs> they uh, will put that title on him
1: eventually. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, this was just eh, whatever.
0: Yeah, it was it was it was passable. Um it, it was well, it wasn't, shall I say, the, the best way to rephrase that, it wasn't as um mouth gapingly horrific as a lot of uh Baron Corbin matches I have seen in the past. We were uh, reminiscing fondly, Mark and I, Jack, uh, last night of the, the epic Baron Corbin Bull Dempsey feud in NXT, which was <laughs> C- quite
2: something let me tell you i can't believe um, i not want to shit life. on nxt too much because that's a develop it's a developmental system isn't it so oh, sure, yeah no I, I, that,
1: that's, if, that's if right.
2: guys are going to have bad matches like i'd rather than do it down there absolutely than although the in roster. fairness i'm what, pretty guys? sure
1: i'm pretty sure that match was only about five minutes as well
0: uh it was 10 minutes
1: or what? fourteen? Sorry, fourteen,
0: fourteen thirty-five.
1: I'm on about Paul James, ball Dempsey versus Baron Corbin. Oh, sorry, I, th-
0: I thought you meant Sami Zayn. No, 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 Baron
1: no. That Corbin that was playing. about forty-five minutes long. By the time that match was finished, um, no, Dempsey <laughs> and, and Corbin was like, yeah. I there's only about five minutes. They knew to keep that short and sweet.
0: You want to say something there, Jack?
2: I like this match. This match actually, them. I didn't skip through that much. I, I kind of watched most of it. I mean, there were some periods of. Uh, the heat being on Sammy where Corbin was kind of being quite methodical but I think that kind of suits what he is and what they kind of want from him and and by the end I thought it was really good and, and I kind of actually thought towards the end of the match the crowd got into it a little bit as well because the crowd was I mean I think it's mainly because we'd had the crowd from the previous night where everything was holy shit this is the best thing I've ever seen um, obviously, the match quality was better, and that does help. But the crowd was definitely more into the night before. Um, but by the end of this match, they seemed pretty fun, fired up about it. And yeah, Sami's a great babyface, but is there many better babyfaces in like pure babyfaces in the WWE right now than Sami Zayn?
0: Very few, if any. Um, the welcoming committee, the worst stable name in the company at the moment, that consisting of Natalia, Carmella, and Tamina with James Elworth, Ellsworth, uh, co- uh, defeated Charlotte, Flair, Naomi, and Becky Lynch by submission. I have nothing, nothing that I want to say about this match, except for the fact that, uh, that the welcoming committee is a terrible name to call a group of people.
1: I haven't even watched this match. What?
0: What? It's, Why it's, it's are poor. they that, the that, welcoming committee? The, uh, I think it was, they were the welcoming committee for Charlotte because they they jumped her. Um, I'm guessing. I've it's it's internally boring this was one of the other matches that put
2: mark to sleep <laughs> um it was it, w- it was not great have uh, they kind of taken a bit of the shine off charlotte do we feel like yes um
0: it's a, li- a little bit it's a bit too early to tell because it's kind of weird that she arrived and she's just a baby face now because she's much much better as a heel
2: agreed um, as so was she, her old man
0: yeah, so she's never going to be uh, as good or as big a deal uh, as a baby face, but I'm assuming this is only going to last a couple of months and she's going to turn on somebody, presumably Naomi. Oh, um, no, hopefully Becky. And well, like oh, they'll is, have a match down the line, rule. but I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah, she's got to, yeah, Becky Lynch has got to be betrayed by her friends. But yeah, I've got nothing else to, to add about this match. Uh, moving on to what was far and away. The best match of the night. Kevin Owens, the new face of America, defeated AJ Styles by Countout. Uh, this was a, a good match um, at times, uh, threatened to be really good. Uh, I don't think it was as good as we would maybe have expected these two men to have. Uh, as good a match, should I say, as these two men uh, should have had. But uh, it was pretty good nonetheless. That was definitely a refresher from some of the things we'd seen so far on the card. Uh, and an inventive Countout for once. Jack?
2: Yeah, uh, sorry, I was I was shocked that you came to me instead of Mark. Then I like it changing the <laughs> tra- order. up. Try, try and change it up. Face. Change
0: it up. Keep it fresh.
2: Yeah. Um. So shock horror. Kevin Owens and AJ Styles had a really good match. Yeah, I I really I enjoyed it. Um. I was kind of. I know it was an inventive count out finish, but I, I really kind of did want to see somebody prevail in this match. And I figured it would be interesting to uh, to see Kevin Owens win. And then maybe those guys have like a, a two or three match series where maybe AJ then nabs one back um, like non-title. And then we build up to a, a big title match at, at SummerSlam or something, which would have been pretty cool. Um, I guess that's kind of where they're headed anyway, but yeah, I always I'm ge- kind of prefer... I'm guessing,
0: by, I'm, I'm guessing by the fact that, like, you know, it wasn't, uh, you know, that Owens that beat him, it was that he got tangled in some electrical cable that beat him, uh, but that's the, the impetus for the rematch then, would be more well, I
2: see, the thing is, though, about again, getting... <laughs> Does that kind of make him look a little bit like a geek? I think it's oh, a yeah. cool oh, idea, yeah. but, I mean, really, I tangled up in, in, in cable... Like, I'm very much anti-Countdown. by might as well have been playing in
1: the
0: background. <laughs> uh, Mark, your thoughts on this match?
1: Uh, it's a gr- great match. It, it, one of my bigger issues with the WWE is the, like, okay, so this feud is going to go on for a couple of matches. So, obviously, the first match is going to have some sort of bullshit shenanigans. And, like, it's, it's just frustrating because... Um, you're sitting here watching a great match, and then it has that kind of finish. And um, nine times out of ten, a lot of the feuds that the WWE do don't have like a satisfying conclusion. Um, like if you go an old school of okay, well, the heat, uh, the the hill gets like the first victory or whatever, and then you know at the end the face prevails. Like that's obviously all out of the window at this point, but it means that the WWE don't really have like a, a consistent flow of how they do storylines and half the times they do not even finish correctly. So, um, like for me, I'd rather have just had, uh, a, just a very, very good match that Owens wins, gets a kind of solid victory that kind of really uh, solidifies him as a champion. You know, I feel styles is that good that he can take the loss. Um, and then you can just throw him in the money in the bank next month because, you know, he doesn't have to win that, he doesn't take a, a pinfall loss. Um but you know, in terms of the match itself, like it's it's Owens in Styles, so obviously it was great. And um, you know, they're they're gonna be the guys that are gonna have to carry this division for uh, a while. And Lord No Styles has been trying to do it for the last, you know, six to twelve months.
0: Uh Luke Harper defeated Eric Rowan in Nymet, and I literally have nothing to say about this.
2: I do. I I I like both of these guys, and again, I it's, it's exactly the same story as um, as Ziggler and Nakamura. I saw these two guys have a match uh, on the SmackDown live show in London, and you know what? It wasn't bad, and I don't think this was bad. But boy, oh boy, does nobody in the crowd seem to seems to really care about anything they're doing because it doesn't really seem to be a lot of substance to the feud that's going on now when realistically it should have something because they were both in the wyatt family there's there's story there to tell there's there's interesting things that they could get over about these two like they're both really unique looking dudes like uh, kind of like not many other people they have in the company that they both work well they're solid so uh, it 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 has to be if you're going to blame anybody for the apathy of the crowd I think it kind of has to be on wwe to make people really want to buy into this match because yeah, it was a solid match you know and it's maybe not a pay-per-view match but if they had a bit more time and a bit more kind of momentum going into the match then people would have bought in definitely
0: there's a certain extent to which they've been on the roster since the summer of 2013 i think and when you spend ninety to ninety five percent of your time on the main roster being portrayed as or underlings, henchmen, um, and then you don't really do anything to to kind of consistently push them once they break away from uh, Bray Wyatt in this case, like look like they were building something with Harper for a while, but then again, they just kind of pulled away from him. Um, it is amazing. Of course people aren't going to care.
1: It, it is amazing that they've had like a natural born or just a natural kind of conclusion to the feud and uh, of Bray Wyatt and having these two henchmen that he's had this control over and them escaping th- free of that and they managed to fuck it up twice. Um, that is actually impressive that they managed to do that. And now they have. Luke Harper that they don't know what to do with, and Eric Rowan who they're clearly just fucking throwing any idea at, as we saw at Talking Smack on Tuesday, uh, which is at least somewhat uh, entertaining. Um, yeah, they, they, unfortunately, it does seem like these two are just uh, kind of spinning their wheels, and like I, I think pretty much everyone knows that Luke Harper uh, is is great and deserves to be doing a lot more and i presume we'll be seeing him in money in the bank and i just hope he doesn't kill himself as he did against ziggler that one time
0: uh main event time jinder mahal randy orton and we got a new champion jinder mahal former member of three-man band uh is the world champion the wwe world heavyweight champion um I have seen it with my own eyes and yet I still can't really believe that it happened. Um it was not a great match this will not shock anybody that um, a guy who is not known for being a great wrestler comes against Captain Chinlock and nothing really happens for a long time. Um, I think that the real highlights of the match, apart from the the end result of the match, was Randy Orton uh, encountering the Singh brothers on the outside of the ring and proceeding to murder those two young men uh, in a very dickheadish manner, trying to drop them on their heads on the announce table. Um, Jack, your th- your thoughts on this
2: one? Yeah, that, that one bump, um, I'm, I'm oh not sure which, which one of the Singh brothers, but yeah, he, he threw him sing and two. tossed him. Sing Singh 1 he, and Singh 2. He just, just, the guy landed on his like head, neck, and then just not only, like normally if you do that and you kind of crumple, like you feel like it's fine, but he bounced off it. Like, yeah. oh, Jesus well, Christ. Well, by the way, no one, no one was pointing this out when
0: they were talking about it afterwards. The monitors were still embedded in the table at that point.
2: Yeah. Uh, this yeah, that looked horrible. As for the match, I think it kind of got the reaction that they wanted from it. Um, maybe early in the match, I think Mahal was getting some 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 chance, and there was some genuine yeah, chance he got a reaction. Yeah. So I, I don't know how much of that is is irony. I don't know how much of that is people genuinely buying into Jinder, because you can't say that he hasn't made an effort with like his look and the getting super in shape and like he was good on them. Um, I think it was Jericho's podcast. Like he, he was pretty frank and he, he seemed like an interesting dude and, you know, kind of, I feel like listening to him talk uh, just kind of candidly got him over probably more than anything that they could have done. So I think people just seem to kind of like the guy and, and, and partly they're happy for him. And uh, I suppose there's also a little bit of people when the title's on Randy Orton, nobody seems to really care that much. I I don't think he's a, a guy that... I don't know if he's ever really carried the company, but he always seems to be booked like a guy that could carry the company. And I, I don't really know if that's him now. And I think he's another guy that could probably do... with even more rehab than they seem to have attempted to give him because he does get chance after chance and they made him super interesting with the whole Bray Wyatt feud, but I don't know now it's, it's kind of stalled because what is Randy Orton at the moment? Mark.
1: Um, so the last time they, well, the, the two times I can think of where they just like fired someone into this position with, uh, very little, kind of background trajectory to trajectory uh, behind it was you had Seamus and you had Swagger. Jack, it's Jack Swagger. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, business-wise, there is a solid reasoning for behind why they want to do it. They want to break more yeah. into India. Um, even when Kali was world champion, for as terrible as he was, he was a, a bona fide megastar over there and still is. So, you know, you can't fault them for that, even though Jinder is Canadian. But still, hey, you know, Indian heritage, so great. Um, That all makes sense, and they want a piece of the pie in India, great. I mean, that's pretty much what's been keeping TNA alive for the last God knows how long. It still cannot be stressed enough that Jinder Mahal is a pretty boring fucking wrestler and has largely been most of his career... Um And, you know, didn't even do the... Went back into the indies after being fired. And how the fuck did he get rehired by the company? That's what I never understood, other than just, he's an extra body. It was
0: Oh yeah, it was when they did the brand split, and they just started hiring people because they needed extra people on each brand. That was when he got brought on, remember? Because they were going to bring Sheldon to SmackDown, and Jinder was yeah. the guy, one of the guys yeah. they picked to come back to Raw.
2: Um, he and definitely he, did do some indie stuff, though. He, he was on WWE and I think he worked in Vancouver for a while. Yeah, not guy, that I know what promotion and stuff. he but.
1: had some matches here and there. But you know, he's never been anything like you know, as you said. He was the worst member of Three M. 3MB I don't know like we'll see how it goes I I presume that there will be a kind of morbid curiosity uh, in terms of how this goes as there was originally with Seamus but you know at the same time Seamus came out of nowhere and they put the belt on him. Here, it's like, no, you have... They hadn't spent
0: ages killing him before they put the belt on him.
1: Exactly. So, uh, you know, it's very hard. Well, I mean, look, in wrestling, you can do anything that you want to do, and um, if they just decide to just push him... They've been doing all the right things. They gave him a victory over AJ Styles. Um, You know, they put the belt on him relatively clean against Orton. Um, But the problem is, is his in-ring work is... Fucking substandard at best, and when you've got yeah. all the other companies out there putting on wrestling that is so much, you know, above that, and you look at just fucking um, NXT and some of the stuff we've been seeing yeah. in there, I was gonna say, yeah, in- when
0: you even got people on the when you even got people on the main roster who they're barely using or who they don't have in prominent positions, who can work rings around the guy who's now the WWE champion, it's it's
1: yeah, kind of odd. But here's the thing, like, um, and and. Meltzer's pointed out and many people have pointed out like in terms of business metrics it's completely different how things work you know people aren't good well oh, yeah. some people may unsubscribe because Jindam Mahal is champion there is a possibility but you know if this was um, a pay-per-view that people had to buy this would have been a complete disaster um, I know that um, when they announced that this was the match that ticket sales just kind of froze uh, and I don't think they picked up again Yeah. so uh, I, the only other kind of business metric that people go by is ratings so like if over the, the next month they absolutely tank um maybe well, that'll they, be they, they, for they them.
0: tanked they tanked one of the weeks during his push uh from what i remember so
1: yeah so i we'll will see. We'll see, see what on. happens like it for me it i don't really care either way like i'm i'm as detached from the main roster stuff as i've ever been and there's enough stuff out there i have a new japan subscription now we have other stuff <laughs> you know do what the fuck you want. Put the fucking belt on Jinder Mahal. Why not?
2: In fact, I'm happy in fact to see it's the more
1: on Jinder. It's more like interesting than it being on Randy Orton, let's be fair. <laughs> I, I that think was that's my lit. point. <laughs>
0: Let's uh, let, let let's turn uh, now to something happier we can talk about. The previous night in the same arena, NXT had uh, their takeover show in Chicago, and uh, I, I, the, the question we were all asking ourselves after was, "Where were you the night Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne invented professional wrestling?" Um, it was. Because of the the rave reviews of this match, which we'll get to shortly, um, people would be fooled into thinking it was a one-match show. But uh, I I think NXT have done done it again here, where they have managed to pull off another consistently solid show. Uh, There were some moments were better than others, obviously, but... um, by and large, it was two hours or two hours and change that, that flew by once again. And I opened with Roderick Strong uh, defeating Eric Young, accompanied by um, Wolfie and Killian Dain. Um, the last couple of months, the last couple of takeovers, the, the the matches that involve members of Sanity have been the most I've been into Sanity. And both of those featured Roderick Strong, um, which is no small coincidence, I imagine, Um what, what do you think, Jack, of uh, what, what they did in this match at Roderick Strong, putting him over against Eric Young, and also what they've been doing, kind of building Roderick Strong for a possible future shot at Bobby Roode?
2: Yeah, I think what they've been doing with, with Roderick Strong is great. I think it, it kind of goes back to, if you look at what's big um, in entertainment right now, it's comic book movies, right? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of what people seem to enjoy or or it seem to be pervade in the movies is they love seeing the how they got to where they are story people love that origin and I think a lot of what they've been doing with Roddy is similar to like his his superhero origin story and he's got had a really interesting life and people are are buying into it I mean it's getting a lot of praise like critically and, and people loving it you know, everybody is predisposed that that kind of watches indie wrestling to like Roderick Strong anyway. He had a fantastic career, so I think they're, they're absolutely nailing it so far. And as for Sanity, I think I don't necessarily know if I see a, a kind of place for them on the main roster. I yeah. think they're using them very similar to the way they use Connor and Victor, where well, they're, they're sort of building them up as this sort of heel faction. But... I don't think they necessarily take them too seriously, but they're doing a good job of of using them to put people over so far. And uh, yeah, I I think that, you know, this match considering what else we saw in the card probably isn't going to blow you away, but it's just as good, if not better than kind of most of backlash uh, this, this contest they had right here. And there was a great reaction for Roddy when he picked up the victory as well. So, um, in terms of everything that this match was intended to do, two thumbs up. Mark, Roderick Strong, you're a fan.
1: I like Roddy. I've always been a fan of Roddy. Um, like I think everyone's uh, pretty much unanimous in, in the, the praise of the, the two pieces, the two uh, documentaries that they did on Ruddy. And, you know, for the first time, he has like uh, an angle. He has a focus of a character and it's basically he's a dar but it yeah it works you know it's great um and he's come across more likable than he ever has in his career and this match was fine and like eric young serves his purpose for what he's there um unfortunately he, i don't i don't like the gimmick no he's, that's he's the he's solid he, in he's, the ring. he's saddled with a pretty shy gimmick um that i mean he's there that i, I presume he's there to to help um Alexander Wolfe and, and Killian Gain, uh Killian, what the fuck is, he, is it? Killian Dane, Killian Dane, Killian yeah. Killian Dane. Dane, yeah. Uh, he's there to give them experience, whatever, and you know, like that. That's fine. The, the gimmick is trash, goes without saying. Um, but yeah, this is fine. You know, absolutely, perfectly, wonderfully simple, clean, and elegant opening match to NXT. And uh, Strang-
2: I like their one- theme. I like I I like Sanity's theme song. I think it's really good. Um.
1: I don't know. Um, I, Strong I, won this match. Yeah? So I was gonna say I like Strong's knockoff kill switch theme. <laughs>
0: um, Strong won the match with his finish, the end of heartache, which I believe they are now calling the Strong Breaker, which is a, as myself and Mark have discussed off the air, a much worse name. End of heartache is a badass name for that move, and also in the context of the vignettes they've been showing all month, end of heartache is a really perfect poetic name for his finisher.
2: It's um, also a kill switch engage song, which, which leads into Mark's point.
0: And uh, uh, Ta- uh, Tom Phillips on, on commentary did uh, make a call of end of heartache as he was, uh, as Strong was walking up the ramp and then got silent for a couple of seconds afterwards. And I suspected he may have been yelled at. Uh, but moving on, oh, this match, this fucking match, WWE United Kingdom Championship. Tyler Bay defending against Pete Dunne this was the best WWE match I have seen all year um, two stars no just kidding this, this match was fucking incredible um, and a lot of people are talking about how in a week or two weeks where um, kind of there's a lot of talk about indie wrestling and dives and and things like that going on on the tweet machine. And this weekend, allegedly like the, the, the main event of the supposed big show of this weekend was Randy Orton, who was very much at the center of this argument. Um, his thunder was completely stolen and so was all the spotlight and attention by two british men having an indie as fuck match in the best possible way in the middle of this NXT show and completely blowing everyone out
1: of the water. Well, here's the uh, thing, here's Mark. the thing cuz you know, I, the match, yes, it did have some dives and it did have some flips, but it wasn't yeah. it it built, you know, it built as as much yeah. as any other like WWE match would build build in terms of a, a crescendo you know and mm. but here's a key couple of things um neither of, of their finishers were kicked out of because uh never actually hit the, the Tyler driver and P actually won with yeah. the the bitter end so it already has that over your know, standard kind of WWE main event match um uh-huh like the the offense that was used, like Pete Dunne, in terms of how he um, does a lot of that kind of methodical type of offense, is a lot more interesting than most people because he really goes into like joint manipulation, and um, I don't know how that goes. So for so much for the live audience, but certainly for like us watching on TV, we, you know, we can see oh, kind of close his, up what's his... going, what he's doing. It, it...
0: His gesticulation as well really kind of uh, makes it much more of a show when he's doing that to the crowd. Yeah. Like he's right up there with kind of uh, the likes of Marty Skrull actually, in terms of like even in, in a big arena, if you're further away, he kind of moves and presents himself so well that you're you're you're. Completely, your attention is completely on him at all times. He's just fascinating to watch. Yeah, and the thing is, Um, right? The
1: the thing that got the biggest fucking pop in this match is a move that was has been used since like what the nineteen fucking forties in an airplane spin. All right, this match was just had everything. I like. I there will be few Uh matches this year in WWE that will be better than this, and it's by two people that are kind of, kind of not. Who fuck knows? Who the fuck knows what to classify these two as? Um, and by the way, the, and the
0: oldest, the 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 senior ring general in that match being twenty three or oh, maybe twenty four right. at this point, <laughs> and the other one being twenty. It's it's crazy. And I I got to love as well before I throw over to Jack. One of my favorite spots in the match was uh, Tyler Bate going straight out of the Jeff Cobb playbook and doing the uh, the running shooting star press uh, from a standing position, which was pretty cool. Um, Jack, your your thoughts on this this classic?
2: Yeah they they absolutely nailed it didn't they it was it was really really good i uh, you know i've seen these guys wrestle for for years now and I, I it's almost like that sense of of pride like that you know they they're kind of your guys like yeah. you feel like you've supported them all the way through and to see them absolutely killing it and getting a recognition of like this international like stage and in, in the biggest company in the world, like it, it just kind of made me fill up with a little bit of emotion of just thinking, like this is so awesome. Like me and um, Ian, probably maybe listening to this now, high Ian if he is, like we sat he's a, there. He's across all podcasts at all times. <laughs> but we sat there and we watched uh, Tyler Bate lose a, a qualifying uh, match in a in a natural progression series for progress to. Um, I think it was Pastor William Eva. And we both just turned around and looked at each other and we're like, that guy's f- fucking awesome. Like, who is that? Who is this Tyler Bate? And, like, he he wrote something on Twitter and Tyler Bate's mum actually, <laughs> actually liked his tweet and, and replied to him because, like, at that time, nobody really had much of a clue. And it's crazy to think that two years later this guy had been, like, given a title and is producing matches of a standard that you can't even see from veterans who have been in the business for like 10, 15 years. It's, it's nuts that the match is awesome. There's, there's kind of nothing that I even want to say about the spots in it. Cause I, I, I almost feel like if you see it you get it. And if you haven't, you should go and watch it because it's just, yeah. it's, it's fantastic. Pete is a natural heel. He's one of the best sort of looming, dark, presences i have seen in the ring for for many many years and it's just it's cool that they recognize that and i i almost feel like that they're trying to sort of convince everybody that the triple h sees him as like a a potential protege and he sees a bit of himself in, in pete so i think it would be cool if they kind of continue down that road as well like and that they set what? up and
1: the What's happened here for me is like you have this contrast of what happened in NXT and what happened the next night in Backlash. And for the first time that I can genuinely honestly think of, I'm looking at these two people and I'm like, I don't want them anywhere near the main roster because yeah. they won't know what to do with them. And you know, obviously, the, the size factor is apparent, and Tyler Bate is a very, very short man. Um, but I just I cannot see any scenario where they just do not do just. Fuck them up, you know. I, like, I honestly, genuinely, can't see how this current crop of writers, bookers, whatever, um, can get the most out of these two fucking phenomenal talents, you know. Um, and that, that's said, but
2: that's incredibly negative of you to say. No, well. but I
1: think, I, I think that is a completely just ray of
0: sunshine, Robinson. I there. think that is a completely oh,
2: dark Robinson.
1: I think that is a completely justifiable thing
2: no, to say. You are-
0: no, oh, it is. It, it absolutely is. Uh, but uh, by the same measure. No,
2: dear, oh, don't make anything about this
0: negative. Let's just enjoy it. That's what I was going to say. By the same measure, uh, like, you know, wanting the best for them and wanting them to succeed and wanting them to get those chances to move up along. I have said to Mark uh, categorically that if Pete Dunne isn't in the NXT title picture by mid to late next year, something has gone terribly wrong. Uh, because I have long suspected that, that the, the idea of doing the UK Championship TV program uh, is only going to be a, a thing they are really, really super interested in until uh, World of Sport gives up. Uh, and then they may very quickly consider shipping all these men off to Orlando and putting them in with the rest of the NXT roster.
1: Possibly.
2: Who else would you take? Um, say say you had a hypothetical of the guys that have kinda of already been involved, obviously we can't have like a Marty and I, I don't I'm not sure about Zach's status now, but it, it kinda of seems like he's sort of out of the picture as well. But yeah, they're never of the guys that Yeah, well he, he, he they are
0: they wanted him last yeah, year yeah, and yeah, he yeah. just d- didn't fancy it, so
2: I think he's very committed to Japan, you know. I think he really enjoys his time out there just from what I can see. But
0: well, I pretty much pretty much anywhere he goes, they throw a fucking belt at him now, so he's doing okay. He
2: is. He's great. He deserves it. Um yeah. who would you take? So I I mean these two I think are kind of locks, but what other three guys would you take if you were Manders. WWE? Manders.
1: Yeah. I take Trent. Um, I think he's even if you Trent, don't yeah. Like, uh, I could see him being a mouthpiece somewhere along the line for either Tyler or or, or Pete Dunne if they wanted to, or just, you know, do a, a thing between the three of them and carry on British Strong Style.
0: Are, are we talking about people who are already associated with WWE that have had matches for them? Are we talk- uh, as yeah, in, like, like in- on the UK show? Yeah. So um, I imagine, that depending on his uh, medical status, they would be interested in a fully fit Mark Haskins? Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, being a, a grizzled veteran and in, incredibly good at the wrestling, um, I can't think of anybody else who would be a mortal lock from that tournament. To be honest, like uh, they like Wolfgang
1: awful lot. Um, maybe maybe Dan Maloney, well, uh, like he's got the the, the youth. Well, and, he 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 has seen some he shit. He has seen some uh, shit.
0: But, uh, I think he's a guy who, because he's kind of only come to a lot of people's attention in the last few months. I think he's a guy who. You would like to, you know, spend a little bit more time, uh just become a bit more of a journeyman, adding some some strings to his bow, and maybe in a couple of years come back and get him because he's he's only like twenty odd, I think. Yeah, he's,
1: he's some crazy age like that.
0: Yeah, and he's he's already pretty good, but he's not as you know like Tyler Bate is already the complete package if he was half a foot taller, he would be WWE champion already.
1: Yeah. Oh, (laughs) with with Maloney, like that is obviously, that's a, that's a project that they, yeah, can come back to you in a couple of years. Mm. Yeah. After that, like, um, I know me and Jack were having, um, a a dispute over James Drake on, on Twitter. Um, like as, as a worker, he is solid and functional, but he is kind of a bit of a black hole of charisma for me. Um, but there are, different things that you can look for in, in a wrestler um and he has a little bit more size and a little bit more of like a, a body if you want to say um than some of the others uh i think joseph connor's is, is kind of boring uh and i don't think he he's like the epitome of person pretending to be wrestler uh, i don't really see much of him yeah. um and then i can't think of anyone else um
0: oh he's he's not british but he's associated with british wrestling travis banks
1: yeah, Travis Banks, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, because they had the, the, the recent tryouts, didn't they, as well? Um, yeah, uh, so did TK. Yeah, yeah. And, obvi- and obviously, you- you've got Muscle Cat as well. Don't forget him.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they just need to take Travis and TK and, and, and Dahlia and just have the SPPC or SPPT in... NXT now they would be incredible in uh, NXT. They would, be uh, as far as I'm incredible. concerned, that they, they don't even they, there's nothing that needs to be considered. That as a package is it, it's exceeded beyond the wildest expectations of even I think what progress would have set oh, yeah, out. Absolutely, and I just I I, I haven't seen a, a tag team or like a a stable get themselves over like that in in uk indie wrestling in yeah. a long long time they just went from kind of dicks to oh my god these are the best guys working. Yeah. In the i company. think actually
0: you're you're actually starting to see the, the same thing being repeated at the moment with cck they are yeah. the, the kind of i think the next ones to fill that void that's been left by obviously uh, tk and dahlia's visa issues meaning they're gone away for a little while um, but I think CCK now are they've been a real kind of uh, low key fave for the, the British indie wrestling fan, and now they're um, seems they're they're showing a of progress. They're they're getting more prominent, so it's gonna be a big year for them. But anyway, um, moving on, the women's. Three-way for the NXT Women's Championship, Asuka defeating Ruby Wright and Nikki Cross. Now, Mark, you were very down on this match.
1: Yeah, I just thought this was was a bit of a cluster. Um, I think that uh, Ruby Riot has, has a character, but as a worker, she's still trying to kind of fit everything into place. Um, and Nikki Cross is like, I, I would like to just see an Asuka Nikki Cross one-on-one, um, because, you know, yeah. both times now they've been in, in a championship match. It was the four-way, at uh, San Antonio and then this three-way, uh, and just, it just a little bit clunky, a little bit of a mess, probably like, def- I'd say definitely the, the weakest championship match Askers had, um, and and it's a shame because like when she comes out to the ring, like she has the most amount of fucking swag, even more than Nakamura. Like she just comes to the ring, and I'm like, everything about you is is as good as it can possibly be in terms of enjoying professional wrestling. Um, but yeah, I just I just don't think the match was that good, um, and like the finish was a bit of a mess, and just yeah, it it wasn't as as good as it possibly could have been.
0: Uh, Jack what, what what did you think of this match And of uh, Ruby Riot and Nikki Cross And how they've been doing
2: in NXT so far I think the match was good um, I kind of agree with Mark On the finish I don't think she Needed to pin both of them And the way I enjoyed she did <laughs> both of them Yeah the that was way the she, bit Mark actually liked The way she did it I didn't think kind of worked That well um, I like I mean it was it Nikki Cross who was down For like ages um, I know she kicked Ruby Riot in the head, right? So I don't know, but I actually enjoyed the majority of the match. So pretty much the total opposite to Mark, funnily enough. Um, I like I like Ruby Riot in um, as a worker. I I'm not hugely over sold on on the gimmick. Uh, to be honest, which is just at the moment kind of appears to be like a more uh, PG version of Tank Girl, Dave. That's an obscure yeah. comic book reference for you. I got, I got you, buddy. Um, so, yeah, uh, she's good though. Um, she's a good worker. So, I, I, it's kind of, and this is another thing that I I brought up in the past, and it's a very weird position to state to state this in, but I'm going to state it now anyway. I like everything about Flash Morgan Webster except his gimmick because I fucking, the mod thing is completely <laughs> stupid to me. I, right? I can get on board with that. Complete fucking tangent. <laughs> I, I, have, I,
0: I have never, Jack is generally, uh, in my, in my chastity, Jack is a very, very positive guy. You've never heard Venom like like Jack has for the mod community.
2: I don't hate the mod community. I, I don't just know. Think it's
0: it's I, a, it sounds pretty vociferous when you're talking about it.
2: I just can't get behind him as a mo- like that's his gimmick. I am like no, no. I, I am
0: looking forward to standing beside you for a weekend in Camden, being disgusted at his presence.
2: I think he's great though, and I think he's a good worker, and he's such a nice, positive he's a nice, human yeah, being. He's he's a nice lad. A lovely he, fella. Is, he is, but that gimmick is just... I, I can't get it. I, don't, I can't buy into the mod thing. I really can't. i got, I got a warm, it, funny I feeling going to, on right now. This is great. I <laughs> want to boo him, and I know that I shouldn't boo him, but he... Yeah, just seriously. If they turned him heel, he would be my, fa- my instantly my favorite worker in the history of wrestling. Um, but as a babyface, oh, yeah. And it's kind of a similar thing with Ruby Riot. I just I don't like the gimmick that much. Not to the same extent with the mud the mud thing that annoys me. But um, yeah, Nikki Cross is great. I think she works well as a member of Sanity. And as Mark um, so astutely pointed out, like, wouldn't it be great to just see her? versus Asuka given like a fifteen minutes, just have a proper back and forth match and, and see what Nikki Cross has kind of really developed herself into while she's been in NXT because I, I think she's really cool. Uh, and and it was you know nice what... to kind of see.
1: So do you know what really the strikes me with Nikki, Nikki Cross as well? For like her kind of like she's just crazy gimmick. She has the <laughs> whitest I know exactly the what he's gonna... <laughs> whitest fucking gnashes I've ever seen. Yeah. And it really <laughs> strikes me the thing about it is like, you should not be flossing and paying us that much attention to your dental work for someone who's meant to be crazy. Well, you, know, you know her parents are both dentists, right? Oh there you go, I guess that's it. No,
2: I'm kidding, I don't know
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, th- yeah, the thing Mark gets hung up on is her teeth, and then the thing I get h- hung up on is that when she cuts problems, she has like a charming Scottish lilt when she speaks, <laughs> so I can't take her seriously as a crazy person. Because it's not even like like a gruff Scottish accent that sounds like she's going to glass you. It's a really kind of, you know... Or, or the Ian accent, as we'd call it. Just to make sure he's still listening. Yeah. So I can get a tweet on that yeah, one. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> so she-
0: um, no, that's uh, like... Yeah, but I still think she's really good. I, I I really like her in NXT and I would definitely also advocate seeing her and Asuka one-on-one. And I'm sure there'll be a really cool when uh, inevitably uh, Ember Moon looks like she's going to be the one to beat Asuka eventually. We'll probably get an Ember and Nikki Cross title match on an NXT takeover, which I would also enjoy seeing.
2: I kind of thought Asuka would be out by now. Um, but maybe they just don't have the faith in she was, Ember to She, she, to she was one of person, the person, yeah. She was one of the
0: ones when they started bringing everyone into NXT around that time that they were signing Nakamura and they signed her and loads of other people, that she was the one that I remember Dave Meltzer saying at the time that they specifically didn't want her ever to go up. Um, And I imagine with the brand split now, things have changed considerably. I would certainly fucking hope so, because she she is the best woman on that uh, in the entire company nXT or otherwise well yeah, I mean we've had the whole um, thing with
1: like uh Joe is never going to go up, and then you know that will change so yeah. uh I wonder if like once the women 's tournament is out of the way and they have a couple of uh like so the, some of the starting girls over and stuff that at that point they're like, okay well, we have like some more people in to kind of fill out the nXt roster so yeah there's gonna there's the gonna be
0: can. a good there's going to be a good half dozen or more people mm-hmm. coming in probably uh in the months after that tournament. So yeah, that that would be a good time as Annie to, to bring her up and start kicking people in the head on the main roster, which I'd be very excited for. And I think the other thing that, that lets Ruby and Nikki down in this match a lot is that myself, myself and Mark were talking about this, is that sometimes we take it for granted that Asuka is so good. And like, I would definitely put, you know, she's one A, then Ember would be one B. The two of them are at this level. And, kind of everybody else is just playing catch up after that. You got to acknowledge that it's NXT and people are still trying to, you know, find their new style now that they're in WWE and not on the indies, That not everyone is going to take to it as quickly as those two did. Um, So hopefully, you know, uh, Ruby figures it out, gets a bit better. I've been enjoying her so far myself. I wouldn't be as down on her uh, as Mark is for sure. And I, I, I obviously think Nikki is great. Uh, the NXT championship match did not main event this show. It was a uh, second from the end and Bobby Roode defended his title against Hideo Itami. Um, to the surprise of, I think, no one. Because I, I think pretty much anybody that watches that, that NXT TV show knows that the the long build is going in for Drew McIntyre to take that title away from Bobby Roode eventually. Um as far as the match, uh, I thought it was okay. I, I didn't think it was the. A lot of people get very, very down on Bobby Roode uh, on, on Twitter. Um, I kind of, I kind of like him in NXT as he's he's different in that like he has that old school mentality, of, uh, probably because he's a hundred years old. Uh, but he has that old school mentality of if you're the heel champion, you don't do anything flashy. You don't want people to cheer you at all Uh, obviously his theme music has made things a little bit more difficult in that stakes but his style is like slow it's methodical um, it's very mini Triple H in in that way Um, and I thought this was okay it's kind of um, sad in one respect um, watching what Hideo Itami has sort of become uh, the further and further he moves away from from what he was as Kenta, and as the the injuries pile up, um, this is only I was shocked, to learn this is the only the third takeover he's actually had a match on. That's how long he's been injured. Well, he's been down there in Orlando. Uh, Mark, what did you think of this match?
1: Yeah, it was it was fine. Um, it wasn't it was solid and spectacular. Uh, solid, but not spectacular, which is kind of the mo for, for Bobby Roode for the most part. Um like I was fine with the Nakamura matches, um not overly compelled by them. And it's kind of the same thing here. Um I don't know whether it was an incentive that was placed upon Itami, but just even like his whole demeanour as he came out to the ring felt pretty deflated or defeated. Um and yeah, just a lot of what makes Kenta as Kenta uh, it is really not there, and yeah, obviously. Look, when you've been injured more or less for the last two years, uh, that does take its toll. It's impossible for that not to be the case. Um, and part of me does think that um, at this point, just just get him up on on the main roster, maybe put him on two five live, and just do something with him and see if if sinks or swim for a year. If if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Um, because I think he's just spinning his wheels in NXT probably more than anyone else. And again, that is largely down to being injured for the most part. Um, but yeah, the, the match was fine. And the the post uh, thing that they did with him and and uh, ono, Um, you know, I'm on board yeah. with that. That would be good because I think that if anyone is going to give him the opportunity to be more of the old Kenter and be able to lay shit in more, like it would be Chris Hero. So that would be good. Um but yeah, that's pretty much it for the match, really.
2: Jack? Liked it. Uh, don't really get a lot of the negativity on Bobby Roode either. I think everything that he does is kind of crisp and considered and, and he's just a very good natural heel. He He's not giving, as you said, anything for the crowd to pick up on and, and really buy into and, and, and like him all that much. And You know what, if people feel angry or bored or whatever by him, kind of in a way good, because it's going to make it feel all that more special when they build someone up, whether it be McIntyre or not, to come along and and, and win the title of him. And and when they do, it will feel like a a really special moment. Um. So, yeah, I I think we all kind of knew that that, uh, Hideo wasn't going to win this match, but you know, I, I think he's still a good performer and I kind of buy into him. And I, I think the end spot was cool. I think the fact that he got to hit a GTS in Chicago is a no brainer. Bobby Reed did his, his gimmick now, which appears to be how he gets out of a lot of pinfalls of just rolling out of the ring. Um, and I think it'd be really interesting to see if kind of at some stage, they kind of bring that up as a point and use that as a spot in the match. And someone kind of rolls him back in to prevent him from escaping a pin that way. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought everything about this was good. I, I liked the little video package they had for Hideo before the match to kind of explain everything that he's been through. Um, I, don't necessarily know if like going straight to a title match was kind of the right thing for him but you know maybe just have him be a few dudes now um whether that be Cassius Ono I mean I kind of hope its not because I wanted to do something with him but maybe he's kind of gonna be similar to what they wanted to do with Joe just keep him there for a while um so yeah I, I think there's nothing that's really changed for either of these guys but what they did here was good
1: i will say the thing and, with with rude uh just before we move on is that part of the issue i think with rude is that he's such the the kind of antithesis of what the point of nxt is that i think a lot of people have an issue with yeah, that They're that, like this uh, four year old uh, sorry yeah, yeah of
0: all the people of all the people that's come in like one he's 40 years old and two can someone please tell me what exactly he's missing that makes it that would make him wwe tv ready
1: yeah it's solely the the man
0: cuts a good promo he has always even like back to the early tna days he has always worked a wwe main event style he is there he is ready to go he's Um, solely
1: there i think just because they they need someone who can draw on the road but i think by the looks of it and what i've seen he isn't actually doing that so he's probably more kind of like where uh, the Hardy Boys uh, are more of a benefit to what they did with Ring of Honor and probably WWE than they are at TNA, even though it's the same thing. I think it's the same thing with Rude. He's probably more valued just being on the main roster, just as another person, another character to have, um, than being in NXT, yeah. where yeah, I just don't think he is is vi- valuable there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um the main event the NXT tag titles uh, so now officially uh, all the NXT titles have a headline to take over at least once um, the, the NXT tag titles were on the line as the authors of pain defeated DIY in a ladder match I really like this match a lot and this would have been were it not for the the spectacular UK championship match earlier in the program this would have been my match of the night um, I don't know how much they are paying uh Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano in particular, but it is not enough for the amount of genuine uh life-risking moments they seem to go through in some of these matches. Um I thought it was it was spectacular. Not the not the best match they, they've had in NXT. I still prefer their their series of matches with the revival, but I thought this was really, really good um considering the, the limitations of AOP and their in, relative inexperience compared to Um the Revival. Yeah, really like this match, and the we will talk about the I suppose the the the, the angle afterwards in a
2: minute. But uh, Jack, what what did you make of this ladder match? Excellent uh, performance from both teams. I I think almost as you said, Dave. People just kind of as a minimum expect DIY to steal every show that they're on. So when you start as that with your expectations in in the audience, I think it's so difficult and kind of live up to that but they always manage to find a way i think in particular johnny gargano is one of the most believable performers from a psychological yeah. like, I, ring psychology
0: I was, I was gonna say uh, earlier in the show Jackie, i've ever seen earlier in the show Jackie, you asked the question is there a better baby face in wwe than Sami Zayn? and the answer may well be one johnny wrestling um he, it's
2: very possible
0: yeah he he is like my favorite baby face in peril to watch like when he is when he is being beaten down by the big scary eels it is so believable and the struggle in his his refusal to give up uh is incredible uh what what a, johnny gargano is just one of my favorite wrestlers in the world he is fucking amazing yeah.
2: and the spot where he pushes Champer out of the way and just eats like one of the most brutal ladder shots. Oh my god, I, I, I've seen. I've <laughs> not been fucking decapitated.
1: I want uh, that, that spot. Who fucking greenlit that? Because that was like, um, that could have gone no into hands. like Joey Mercury levels of, of yeah. complete disaster, possibly. Um, yeah, I that that took me out. Um, in I guess a good way, maybe because you know it was a planned spot. Um, but I haven't felt like a-, a tension between that and when the two of them jumped off the ladder and both nearly fucking scorpioned. Um, oh, man, man, this match was, was fucking like, there was there was some emotion, you know? Um, yeah. i got to say, I have been on the Authors of Pain bandwagon for quite a while now. I think that those two are actually, certainly for either age, because I think they're only both like 23, 24. Um, yeah. Obviously, it doesn't look like it, but those two, are, I think, Really good. They've they've Agreed. gotten they, I, they, I've they, been
2: skipping fair on that bandwagon for a long time now. I should start paying it up.
0: <laughs> they've gotten. Um, they've gotten much better really quickly they were they were not so great initially when they started i don't think they're all the way there yet no, by no, any no, stretch no. of the imagination but there's still uh, you know a little kind of uh green uh you can see it uh just the inexperience in some of the matches they have but they are definitely a lot better than some people give them credit for but
1: it's um, it's the absolute like definition of playing to your strengths and i think that those two do and obviously like they've been primarily working with uh, DIY and um, the revival. And <laughs> the, the, the two best tight teams in the company. So that does hey, that help.
2: TM61 match they had was fucking great. Yeah, Go back well. and rewatch yeah. that, seriously. That is that also an incredible match.
0: So it's the, going to the, the be.
1: The... Go on, yeah? So I was going to say, it's going to be interesting for them now because like, it's basically them and Heavy Machinery. And, and in a fairness, yeah. I can't fucking wait to see that match. But, you know, they're. they're they've got issues in terms of who they face going forward. But um, for this, for this night only, like just, oh, it was a great match.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then the angle at the end, the, the thing we've been expecting since the cruiserweight classic last year, and they managed to hold it off for this long, uh, the psycho killer himself, Tommaso Ciampa turning on Johnny Gargano and beating that poor man to fucking death. Yeah, he did. Um, are we all super hyped for the the, the Gargano versus Ciampa semi main event of an NXT takeover coming up?
1: Yeah, because of course we are. The thing is, they haven't had um uh, like the best long term storylines in the last few years have all been NXT, and they haven't had one um that's been proper proper compelling because like the the ones over the last year to two years, what's a year to year and a half have all been based around, oh, well, you have the the NXT belt. Okay, well, I've won it. Okay, well, I'm going for my championship rematch now. Like, this is its yeah. own thing to the side. Um, uh, kind of like, you know, Sami Zayn and Cesaro is the one, I think, off the top of my head. So this, yeah. like, you know, they can do a lot here. They have the platform to do it. They don't have to rush it. Um, I think this is great for both of them because I do think that, you know, you've gone as far as you can for tag team. And instead of wasting them both on the main roster, do this with them. Uh, I think this will bring them both up to the next level. Um, I think for me, like I think there's a viable uh, chance that you could see this as a, a, an NXT Championship match at some point down the line. Um, how you get from A to B to C to get there remains to be seen. But yeah, fully on board with this. Um, thumbs up all around.
2: Um,
0: let's move on then from WWE. Ooh, and- can
2: I just can I just yeah. mention? I love the spot during the beatdown, the final spot of the beatdown where I know, Tommaso, I, I where I Tommaso know what to say. he grabs Johnny and he stands on the announce table and everyone in the arena knows he's going through the announce table, right? They 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 fucking yeah. know he's going through the announce table and then no, he runs off the end of the announce table and jumps and smashes Johnny through that big like box thing covered with wires that's like down in that was genuinely the most like <gasps> moment I've ever heard from a live WWE crowd, where everybody was just at, at, like nobody saw that kind of spot coming, and, and it the, was it was great. And the best
1: thing about that hill turn is they booed Champa, you know, because you you have a textbook yeah. example of how not to do it, and a good idea, bad idea to use an animaniacs. Uh, 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 Last in the past is that you had the golden truth like the week before, where you just have a team that no one gives a fuck about, and uh, Goldust turns to hill, and everyone's like, Thank you, Goldust. And you have this with a team that everyone is invested in and they've seen grow. And you know, Gargano is just is all b- the pitch perfect example of how to have a baby face. And they boot Champa in fucking Chicago, you know, like one of the yeah. most smart ass fucking towns you can get. And they boot Champa, um, just a- an absolutely brilliant hill turn done um that had you know the surprise of for the tv uh audience of showing the graphic in the corner thinking all right we're going off the air and then wham uh hill turn commenced just yeah brilliant absolutely brilliant
0: uh moving away from wwe we'll talk about a uh, kind of briefly some stuff that's happening uh, on outside of there. And the main thing I want to talk about, because we are pressed for time, is uh, Best of Super Juniors, which is, uh, as we're recording this first part of the show, is uh, only we've had, was it three days of it at this uh, point? We're at Mark, five days now, actually. Five days, five yeah. days. Um, I've only seen the
1: first
0: so, two. So you're, uh, you're testing out your, your New Japan World subscription that you got for yourself. It's a protect- um, Do you want to just uh, hit up the, the, the listeners there with, with some of your highlights so far?
1: uh okay so uh hearing kurakun hall do the whole mighty squirrel whoop whoop is one of the weirder fucking things yeah. <laughs> i've i've ever heard um i tell you what their Hall audience like they are a smart bunch of fuckers like they they know if someone's coming over and they have had the platform to watch them like they know uh and they are fully on board and uh like mighty squirrel fits into new japan uh, as well as possibly one could hope for um some of the highlights uh tiger mask who i think is in his 40s and Volodya jr um nearly wiped out the referee with a spanish fly that was terrifying to see uh jushin liger was uh excellent over the two nights and uh had a very kind of emotional speech at the end of the second night because this is pretty much like his last uh best of the super juniors um and uh just just a very powerful moment um Hiroshi Takahashi and Dragon Lee. For fuck's sake, these two are going to kill each other. of fucking maniacs. Um, Dave, what was your thoughts on this match?
0: My my thoughts on this match were: it is a, a three way race now to see what man's bumping. Is it? Like, which one of them is deliberately trying to cripple themselves first? Is it Darby Allen? Is it? Will Osprey, or is it Hiromu Takahashi? And as you pointed out, Mark, after this match, Dragon Lee can't be far behind them on that list. Um, they, you know, I, I really want to, and I know I, I can probably guess who it was, but who during the 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 laying out of this match beforehand went? Yeah, I really like the idea of us starting this match with a bunch of lucha stuff, but can we just? like properly start the match by chopping the fuck out of each other for fucking ages just as the very first thing we do in the match um pair of fucking lunatics yeah
1: and it's been pointed out a number of times now that like takahashi has a presence about him where it's kind of the brock lesnar thing where you just you're getting something a little bit different and it's 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 just it's a bit of a car crash and you just don't know what to expect uh, takahashi like has no kind of semblance of concern about his own well-being or, or anyone else's and like it adds a bit of danger to his matches that just doesn't exist anywhere else uh and the man is you know as charismatic as it gets and like his whole like him as the 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 current kind of ace of the the juniors um like just some master stroke in in booking and perform, like wrestling like he's one of the best wrestlers going at the moment and he's having one of the best uh, in year career uh, in years
2: uh, ring wise at the moment uh and then can i just say having actually seen this guy in the flesh uh, a few months ago oh, yeah. he is he is absolutely everything you describe him as like i i knew not a lot about him i'm not i'm not a massive a New Japan kind of follower, like a, a big appreciator of what they do, but I don't kind of follow the products exclusively. So I didn't know much about Takahashi, but the second he appeared on the stage, I just took one look at him. I was like, this guy's a fucking star like the, i like i haven't seen it in a long time possibly since when Akada was there last time he had that similar presence to him he carried himself in a in a similar way not saying he's as kind of good in ring as as Okada, although he did have a very good match uh with marty which you guys should totally watch if you haven't seen it but yeah uh he's awesome uh everything about him i like
1: Uh, And then Osprey and Ricochet had uh, basically a rematch off of their uh, now infamous match that they had last year that had the internet uh, up in a frenzy for uh, good and bad reasons, which ended with a fucking Will Osprey versus Vader match in your (laughs) call. This was a little bit different from last year's uh it was a little bit more slow paced it slower paced in places um i think they tried to kind of focus more on on the kind of physicality if uh, i i think that was there um I think I think so. I saw someone say that like last year's match was more impactful, but this year's match will be kind of remembered more um for being a better match and I don't entirely agree with that like I think last year's match was just this kind of perfect like sprint like Osprey is such a great sprint wrestler like him and riddle in progress just like eight minutes bang 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 uh, was one of the best matches last year that I saw uh, and I think this was uh, I think the OTT match that we saw I think that was better than this. Um, I don't know if oh, you. No,
0: yeah, that was that was one of the best matches I've ever seen live. Yeah,
1: now obviously we were there live, which probably you know helps. Uh, but this yeah. was like this was still a great match. Still, definitely, uh, if you can go out your way to see, you should go out your way to see it. And I appreciate them for. Um, taking last year's match and, and trying to do a spin on it and doing something a little bit different. So I'll never uh, fault them for, you know, trying something different. Um, so, yeah, over the, the two nights, it's been great so far. Uh, I have no idea who's going to win. Apparently, uh, Kushida and Bushi from today was great. So I'm probably going to watch that after we finish here. Um, and then, yeah, like fucking just, I guess, after that, we've got Dominion... Um, We'll have the, the, the American specials and then we'll have the G1. So, you know, we're going to have a busy old summer with uh, with this New, Ju- New Japan account.
2: Speaking of New Japan, guys, I've got some hot off the presses news. I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, ROH, New Japan Pro Wrestling and Revolution Pro Wrestling are having a War of the Worlds three-day event over in seen this. the UK. It's a four day, uh, York Hall, Liverpool... Olympia and edinburgh corn exchange and yeah the day before the first York Hall show uh Revolution Pro Wrestling have their their summer sizzler so yeah we're going to have a a three-way branded uh absolute spot amazing fest oh and CML flower of the well so it's four a four promotion strong yep uh, uh of
1: the UK stacked that's going to be that's going to be pretty mental
2: Considering you guys can get the ferry, I, I suggest you go to the Liverpool show because that's just a little hop, isn't it? Across, Jack, yeah,
0: Jack, you did uh try to sell me on uh, you, you have had worse sales pitches because I think it was was it complicated simplicity, the progress show, where Jack's sales pitch to me, how because he had a spare ticket, was you are was it 30 quid and a really poor decision away from seeing this show?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> exactly it. <laughs>
0: so look, it, it it might be done. We'll see. Uh, I got to kind of get this next wrestling trip that we're about to talk about over first before I start planning other ones, I think. Um, but yeah, it's uh, in we'll-
2: August. You, all I'm saying <laughs> is you've got time and I know you're a teacher and I know it's in your holidays.
0: <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll move on from uh, New Japan and talk about the the kind of the, the meat of why we're here. Uh, we're not going to talk about it too much on this part one because uh, myself and Jack are going to come back once we've been uh, and talk about what we saw but uh, Progress uh, Wrestling uh, out there in the, the good old UK are doing their Super Strong Style 16 tournament uh, this weekend as we're recording it and myself and Jack will be in attendance although Jack will be missing the first day owing to Chelsea Allegiances.
2: Um, I I I've actually worked it out, Dave. If the show starts at like three o'clock, I can watch the first match and then go to the FA Cup final. Are you going to try and do that? I am going to try and do that <laughs> because I am a crazy person.
0: You are a, a, a great man, Jack. A great man indeed. um I'll just I'll read out the field here, and uh, what we'll do is. Uh, just throw out some, some loose thoughts on that because we, we obviously don't have any matches or anything. Uh, just the list of 16 and uh, give us some of your thoughts and then we'll, we'll finish up this segment with uh, just some, some wild predictions uh, before we we cut to myself and Jack in the future through the magic of radio. Uh, so the field for the tournament this year is Jack Sexsmith, Travis Banks, Trent Seven, Pastor William Ever. Jeff Cobb, Jimmy Havoc, Flamita, Zach Gibson, Zach Saber Jr., Tyler Bate, David Starr, Nathan Cruz, Flash Morgan Webster, Mark Haskins, Mark Andrews, and Matt Riddle. Uh, let's go to Mark first. Uh, your thoughts on the 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 makeup of the tournament this year?
1: Yeah. So it's um, there's a lot of new or people that haven't been in uh, Super Strong Style before. Uh, the the most surprising one that's actually not been in before is Jimmy Havoc, but obviously he was injured last year, which is why you know he was in there for that. Um, the the key people that I'm going to be interested in for good and bad reasons. Um, Jack Sexsmith, uh, I think that just his story arc that he's been having in terms of getting to this position where he's in Super Strong Style means that I could see him having a, a deep run in the tournament. Which uh, I'm fine with, kind of story story wise. Uh, Not so fine with in terms of I don't actually think he's that good in the ring. Um, So like that that's going to be a bit of an issue with me. Um, I think that the key favorite probably is Travis Banks. Um, Most people are are really starting to bank that hey Banks um, that he will be the one that will uh, defrone done at some point, which I could see happening. Uh, although I've also seen uh some people saying maybe they'll do a triple threat with Brett strong style at Ali Pali, which is maybe an idea. But I think uh, Banks is probably odds-on favourite to win. Um I, him or Haskins, uh, I really think. Um that because they could play off of Haskins from last year. Uh, you know, getting through the first round, but then having to uh vacate the tournament uh due to injury, and then obviously the same with the belt as well, because they haven't still fully finish that story because he hasn't gotten the belt back yet which i presume at some point is what they would want to do with that so i could see uh, a haskins banks final i think that is um probably like storyline wise the best thing to do and then you can you know you can go either way with who wins it um yeah i think that that's kind of like the smart money but uh, you know, I know Smallman watches these New Japan. New Japan like to throw a fucking curve every now and again, so uh, I don't know um who else could appear in the final. So I'll leave it to you two to give me some uh some uh, wrenches. Jack, uh anyone you're particularly looking forward to
0: seeing in this tournament? There's a couple of uh imports coming in here. Uh the name I'm I'm very much looking at that I don't think you've seen before is uh David Starr.
2: Yeah, I've never seen David Starr before uh, in the flesh, as it were. I've seen a, a couple of bits and pieces from WXW, and I've always kind of liked what I've seen, so looking forward to seeing him. Never seen uh, Mr. Athletic Jeb, Jeff Cobb live, oh. so oh. I, um, I, my hype levels are at maximum for him just throwing someone out of the electric ballroom and all the way across to the roundhouse. Um, <laughs> i Flamita, like, is a name that I, I didn't really know very well. And then much like um Dennis Wise said to Kevin Keegan, who was Newcastle manager once, look him up on YouTube, which is exactly what I did. Um, and he's looks great. Like he looks super good. I, I can't wait to see him. As for who I think is gonna win, Mark basically said all, all of the things that I had kind of mentally prepared myself to say. Um if I had to kind of pick an out outsider kind of I don't know if you would call him an outsider, but or whether or not they start the, the This in process of breaking up British strong style But i'd like to see tyler bait win it because I yeah. think it would get a huge reaction I I think Them playing up the fact that he kind of lost the the uk strap and mm-hmm. You know, maybe not particularly having the best of times and I, I, I think it'd be really interesting to see tyler kind of drawn first round against uh a Nathan Cruz or uh a Zach Gibson and then I think people will kind of get it that that that's what they're trying to do with Tyler yeah I, uh, I'm on board um, with that and then then
1: I, I, I was gonna say I, I think that's that's a thing they really need to to start sorting out because there has been that weird uh, Juxtaposition between the WWE presentation of of British Strong Style and the progress uh, presentation. And that's not entirely their fault. They're, their hands have been tied, but I, I think it, they're at the point where they need to, you know, fully f- fix that, if you will.
0: Yeah, especially now that, you know, they're going to show up on the next show and the guy who was carrying the belt on the last show isn't carrying it anymore. They can't not address that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now that, now that yeah. he's the UK champion. Um, I think, so think it be interesting to see the- what they do.
2: The thing is, you could make a case for I would say at least ten of these guys winning. I think the only guys I can't realistically see winning are Cruz, because I, I just don't think, just don't get it. They are interested in pushing him main event right now. Obviously, for me, uh, um, Jeff Cobb. And uh, I would say Riddle, I would, I would put out of it as as the three imports that I don't see winning, because I, I could see them maybe doing something with David Starr here, um, potentially, because, you know, Germany is a lot closer than where those three live. Yeah. Uh, I can't see Jack Smith winning it in, in a million years, as much as I love him. And the match that he had with Travis Banks is one of the most what the fuck matches I've ever seen in my life, just because it started off with kind of Travis banks, just really dominating proceedings. And then it just, it just turned into just one of the best back and forths I've seen in a long time. And, Jack is 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 super over. You know, he might not necessarily be a cup of tea. You know, he might not have the upper body strength that you would expect, like a professional wrestler to have. But he's a really compelling performer and an incredibly awesome dude to, to kind of get behind. But I, I still don't see him winning it, and I don't see uh, Flashmore Webster winning it <laughs> <laughs> for personal reasons. <laughs> <laughs> um.
0: I'd also add in there, I, I don't necessarily see um, Zack Sabre Jr. winning it, um, just out of the fact that he isn't really around anymore so much that I but, think... They're, but they're Zacky gonna... five belts. Zacky five belts. There, There is always that temptation, but I, I think uh, at the moment that this is going to be the tournament that's used to hopefully book the person who is going to be built to eventually take the title off young he's Peter.
2: A, he's a super, super, super dark horse. The pastor,
1: possibly. Uh, possibly. They, they did give him the title once before.
2: Like I think that, I
1: see him making a late run. I think him winning the belt actually did more damage to him than than good. Mm. Would you say that's a fair? He kind
2: of wasn't. He kind of wasn't ready, but no. In a way, I think. I think the the story that they told was was cool. I I, I think it was really cool, and I, I think they'd been. I I don't know maybe a bit rushed to put a, a belt on the guy from the projo, but I think they definitely would have at some stage wanted to do that. And sure. I think it, it would have been better if he was built to maybe a, a, a bit more or, or I don't know, but I, the moment in, in of itself was like this kind of, almost euphoric religious experiences in the poor room and, and watching it back. You can't help but smile. Um But yeah, I, I think they took the belt off in the next show. I, I At the time I kind of wanted them to now, maybe I feel like they could have played the, the story out a little bit, but you know, I, I think he's a really good, he's a really good guy. And like that whole, you know, Jim Smallman podcast he did and, and, and really yeah, getting himself over and telling his story. Everybody, is going to be behind him. If he wins a match or two and gets a bit of traction in this tournament, then he's going to get a huge reaction. And then I just see someone coming along. I mean, an absolute dickhead, maybe Trent, m- maybe, <laughs> maybe Zach Gibson, and, and just beating him and everybody just being absolutely just in- incandescent with rage. And then that building up for an interesting semi and maybe even final between whoever manages to knock the pastor off. I think that'd be a cool story to tell.
0: Uh, we also, based on the ending of the last chapter of progress, there's a chance, I, I don't know, if they maybe they'll hold it off a month or so longer because it's, um, it, it's a potential big match, although they have three days worth of wrestling to fill here. Um, we are building towards a British Strong Style CCK title match um, that could be a, a, a strong possibility to happen either over this weekend or maybe something to build further towards it over the weekend. Um, how, how psyched are you for it? Seems CCK are the tag team that are primed to take those belts off British strong style eventually. Uh, if they're going to take them off them anytime soon,
1: do you know? I've never seen a CCK match before. In fact, I've never seen a Chris Brooks match before.
0: Have you not? Nope, they have some sick fucking tag moves, bro.
1: I've 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 never <laughs> seen a, a show that they've been on.
2: You gotta check it oh, out. Ne- you need to watch CCK versus um. <laughs> callahan and strickland yes from the the rev pro show it it was the opener so like i had no expectations and of course the elite stole the show as they are one to do but i I, that was shockingly great that really really was brilliant in fact that whole ref pro show with with maybe the exception of like kind of a slow jay white versus angelico match was was a really really good card to to have seen live, but mate, I, I think that's probably the second best match of that show, Mark. So dig that out Fair and enough. watch it
0: because it's it's really good. And we've we've also isn't it over this weekend? We're getting the the final of the Natural Progression series with the women crowning the first Progress Women's Champion.
2: Yep. So it'll yep. be a three way between Ginny, Laura Matteo and Tony Storm. I think all three of them could probably make a case for any of them winning i think if laura diamante wins it's probably only to kind of further a story between her and ginny and get some good matches out of it tony storm is awesome she's the total package and, and ginny is e- easily one of the best heels in the whole of the uk wrestling industry right now she's yeah fantastic. Ma- ma- male or female oh yeah that's what i mean yeah. like yeah. It, it no pronouns to the side here she is one of the best healers in uk wrestling She is excellent
0: um i i would certainly favor Ginny uh in this one um i because i i i don't i don't know how much longer tony storm is going to be around before she may get um you know offers from uh orlando uh so, uh, like, I, I don't know if that's the way you go. You put it on her for a short while and then have Ginny murder her or something like that. I personally, because I, I, I love the idea of having a heel champion and then the long chase from the baby face, that that's what you would do. But um, I, I'd be, I I, don't think I'd be unhappy with anyone uh, coming away from this one. Mark, what do you think?
1: Um, no, I I, I I, could see Ginny um, taking it just uh, to further kind of solidify her as heel. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Tony Storm, uh, I, I think, I think it's better to say Tony Storm is is Orlando bound at some point. Um, so yeah, I, I'd probably I'll go with Jenny because I don't think we've had a heel win natural progression because we've had Mark Andrews and Pasta and has there been two or three of the natural progression? I think
2: it's the this third is one. It. This is the third yeah, one. Yeah, so
1: we've never had a heel win it. So I I I could see Jenny winning it on on that basis alone.
2: Yeah. it would be interesting though to
0: see if Tony Storm won it and then there's uh, a, a, the, the possibility at some point that all four belt holders in progress, uh, oh, actually one with the exception of the Atlas title, um, would be WWE contracted talent.
2: <laughs> 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 yeah, that'll be interesting. One thing I hope happens at, at some point over the course of this uh, weekend, Dave, is I just hope you get to see a live man Challenge featuring body guy Roy Johnson.
0: I look forward to it. Uh, the, the one thing I want to say as well, the, the
2: the one disappointment I had, it's a strong
0: lineup. I really like the lineup. I'm very much excited for it. But the one guy that myself and um, Jack both thought was a lock uh, for it that we're disappointed not to see is Volter, uh, Big Daddy Volter. Uh, not being in this tournament, I would have enjoyed seeing him throw men all over the place again, like he murdered men for three days in Oberhausen uh, in sixteen carats. But uh, I'm sure this will be a fantastic weekend, nonetheless, without him.
2: I've never seen water have anything approaching a bad match. The guy's a machine. So, yeah, it's a bit of a loss. But there's just so much talent. And you know the guys that get eliminated from the tournament are going to have some pretty great, maybe, multi-man matches. Like, it really is. They're trying to go for the UK bowler thing. And I, I just hope they knock it out of the park. They've got all of the ingredients in place to, to smash it. So, four thumbs up. To progress for getting these guys in together,
0: absolutely. Uh, so, with with all that being said, uh, this is the point at which we'll, we'll break the show, and to, through uh, radio magic, w- you will come back to myself and Jack, and possibly Mark. Who knows? Uh, reviewing the uh, Super Strong Style sixteen show from Progress Wrestling, I'm very much looking forward to it. So, let's see what future Dave and future Dak thought of it. <laughs> and we're back here on the wrap uh we we have on this journey to the future we have lost mark robinson quite tragically it's just myself and jack here on the other side of this Wait, year's super strong Star 16 it, tournament
2: he's not dead <laughs> you say we lose, lost him tragically <laughs> like he wasn't know, lost was, at was, sea or anything <laughs> i was trying to leave that
0: dangling there that thread that but you ruined it now. Uh, how, how is this brave new future that we're in now, Jack? Yeah, it's it's wild, isn't it? Hover cars everywhere.
2: There's so many fucking robots right now it's it's
0: a wasteland out there a post post-apocalyptic wasteland but uh we got to see some sweet graps this weekend and that's what we're back here to talk about we left off the first part of the show with our predictions for super strong style 16 at the 2017 edition myself and jack attended these shows live over the weekend in the electric ballroom in camden there uh mostly <laughs> mostly live yes uh how did it just kind of we'll we'll do a bit of a big chat about it first um thoughts on the weekend overall jack enjoy yourself
2: yeah it's it's such a cool event you grow up like watching wrestling and stuff and you tend to remember the tournaments like i i tend to weirdly remember even king of the ring when people like mabel are winning and it doesn't even really matter but i remember watching it anyway when i could and love is just like all the classic like new Japan tournaments and stuff. And then Mm. you get into your sort of adolescent era and then like bowler is happening and you're watching all these things. So it's so cool to have like our own British version of that. And especially like filled to the brim with talent that is really great as well. Like it's not just a, a self-serving promotional thing. Like there's just lots of really talented and brilliant wrestlers to, to, to see on offer. And, I had an absolute blast last year. The last day was crammed because it was a two-day tournament and it was like quarterfinals, semifinals, finals all on the same day and that was utterly overwhelming and probably really tiring for the wrestlers. So I think they got the pitching, the pacing of the, the tournament spot on and mm. yeah, there were a lot of great matches. There were a few matches that were kind of so-so, but on the whole... Thoroughly positive thumbs up review, mate. Uh, What did you think?
0: I enjoyed it. I I, like just to kind of touch back on what you said about tournaments there. I think it is a a, a kind of sad thing that we don't have the likes of a King of the Ring anymore because I think from a creative standpoint, uh, booking a wrestling tournament gives you a lot of ways to go and a lot of things you can do. Uh, Firstly, for the, the fans, it's great to be able to follow stories throughout the tournament of maybe an underdog that. Keeps getting through tougher and tougher opponents or, you know, will the the dominant favorite for the tournament come up against his ultimate match or things like that. There's a lot of ways you can spin it. Uh, Tournaments also give you a chance to either create new feuds, renew old ones or continue ongoing ones uh, based on whatever way you do the draw and um I, I think we saw last year in wwe people really appreciate the return of that kind of booking with the cruiserweight classic uh obviously that the matches were great as well which helped but there were stories going on throughout that tournament that were fantastic uh, to behold like not least of which was say you know brian kendrick's one last shot at the big time narrative that was going on um yeah, I, I really love tournament wrestling. I I saw Sixteen Carat this year, WXW's big tournament, and this is my my second tournament of the year. And I was taking off my first appearance in the Electric Ballroom, which I gotta say, mate, it, it it I envy you no end that you have this venue on your doorstep because it is a, a rock venue, music venue. But my god, it's like it's just an absolute cauldron atmosphere wise for uh, wrestling.
2: Um, yeah. It's a beautifully atmospheric building. It's like a historic rock club in London and there kind of aren't many of them left anymore. Like, we had the Astoria on Tottenham Court Road and that was taken away by people and, you know, the same with the Moon Fiddler and and loads of those old buildings. And you get, like these big venues that have been here for a while like the forum and the apollo and stuff and they've all got corporate sponsorship and corporate owners literally the electric ballroom is the most punk rock fucking venue in london and is perfect for progress like it exists still just because people stood up like 15 20 years ago and refused to let them knock it down to make camden tube station bigger as if camden needs a big tube station you just get out and you go into the madness right and you've got this amazing place where the sound system is just pitch perfect the acoustics are amazing you have a separate big bar area for everyone to congregate there's like loads of little nooks and crannies you can stand in and watch and there's a balcony and it's just yeah i've got it's perfect for progress and i spent like My youth going to gigs there, probably seen 20, 30 bands there. And like never in my brain did it occur to me that it would be really cool to have wrestling there. And yet, the first time I walked in there, which I think was unbelievable, Jeff, because I I didn't go to the first uh, Electric Ballroom show. And I just thought straight away, this is perfect. And you know what? The atmosphere, as you said, for the whole weekend was was amazing it it was really really good and it's just a hive of positivity and it's impossible not to get swept up in that infectious atmosphere like the chants and stuff it's just yeah. it's great
0: uh we'll we'll move we'll move in through kind of the results as we go and we'll, we'll stop and chat about things that are significant. Uh, we've got the uh the the match list uh sitting in front of us here, courtesy of our, our, our friends at cagematch.net. Uh and on, on night one, you missed night one, Jack. You you weren't in attendance. Uh because there's one thing you care about more than the professional wrestling, it is the football. So duty called for you that
2: day. Yeah, what um, a waste of time that was. <laughs> Yeah, if but, anyone hey, doesn't you know i want to a risk Chelsea it. fan, oh, <laughs> we were terrible. But
0: moving on to happier chat. I was there uh, for night one, and uh, you didn't miss a huge amount of uh, fantastic stuff. But we'll run it down anyway. Um, Jeff Cobb defeated Nathan Cruz in the opening match of the evening, and uh, a significant match... Uh, Firstly, because to observe Jeff Cobb in the wild is to be very frightened of a man. Uh, you got to experience it. Was This is your first time seeing young Jeff Cobb live, was it? In the flesh, yeah. Um, he is a scary, scary man. Uh, as we saw multiple times over this weekend he kind of breezed past Nathan Cruz fairly easily in a a match I think think we had all kind of uh, of all the matches in the first round this seemed to be one of the more uh, obvious uh, in terms of result Uh, but nothing kind of blew me away about that match short of uh, the crowd in the electric ballroom deciding that for the rest of the weekend Jeff Cobb was hereby named Jeffrey
1: Uh,
0: (laughs) and a a number of fantastic chants based upon that Uh, my favourite of which being the this is progress chant becoming this is Jeffrey Um,
2: (laughs) yeah uh, I do wonder when these guys come over whether they get swept up in all of that and just enjoy the hell out of all these random chants
0: they they really seem to, pretty like pretty much all of them, there there were some very strange chants for a, a lot of guys and uh, the, all the imports seem to really embrace it. I think the word is kind of out about progress now for people coming in. They know that the, the crowds are rowdy and the, the chanting and all things like that. They, they really just seem to enjoy it when they come in. They, they savor it as kind of a, a place to come and uh, a welcoming crowd always, you know. Um, the, the second match of the tournament uh, in a real kind of like I genuinely could have seen him go either way Mark Haskins went over Flash Morgan Webster and uh, this was interesting because it seemed a little bit for a while in this tournament like they were teasing or maybe starting a slow build to Mark Haskins turning heel and uh, for those of you who know Flash Morgan Webster he spent a significant period of the last year to year and a half out with a Very, very bad knee injury. And uh, Haskins focused rather viciously, as he is wont to do, on Flash's knee during this match and eventually submitted him with a sharpshooter. But then they kind of, after some terse words after the bell, they kind of shook hands and moved on with it. Uh, The third match then, uh, Travis Banks defeating Jimmy Havoc, uh, which is kind of, the. as we go through the tournament, we'll see Travis Banks... This man is one of the... He is going to have a huge next uh, year, 18 months, because I have seen him have all different style of matches, and he is, he is just good at everything. He was fantastic in a tag team with TK Cooper. This tournament starts off with him having just a brawl with Jimmy Havoc, and it's fantastic. The two of them flinging chairs at each other outside the ring and completely no-selling them was marginally terrifying. But him beating a guy who as you well know jack and you can probably speak on uh jimmy havoc is one of the mvps of the promotion here so it was no kind of uh small thing that he knocked off jimmy havoc in round one
2: yeah i think a lot of the success of when progress started to really take off were when jimmy havoc was champion and him being like the biggest fucking heel in british wrestling at the time and you know his turn with jim and and sort of you know just beating the living shit out of him and getting the London riots on board and and Paul Robinson as well and just creating this like stable of monster heels and everything about him like the iconography it just fits into progress and so yeah he's he's a very beloved guy but as you said rightly everything they've been doing with with Banks recently has just been kind of trying to elevate a guy who just has seemingly unlimited potential. So I think if anything, like this aside from maybe the final, this was the one barrier that like if Travel was probably gonna get beaten by somebody for maybe potentially story related reasons or something they were kind of trying to do later on down the line, this seemed like once he got over this hurdle, his his roots of a final, like in the hearts and minds of the progress fans, was clear. And yeah, I, I haven't seen it yet, but I, I can't wait to because I I saw footage of them just literally pelting chairs into each other's faces. Yeah. So can't wait to see that.
0: There was there was a great moment here, and I, I told you about it as soon as I saw you. Um, the, the following the following day that uh, the reception Travis Banks got against a guy who, like Jimmy Havocke said, like he made his name uh, in progress as a... As a- the heel in the company, but is now roundly beloved. But the reception Travis Banks got, even in this first round match, uh, I, I I described to you as, I think these people will tear this building down with their bare hands if he doesn't win the tournament. That's how much of a like a rapturous ovation he got. Uh, moving on to the next match, we had Zack Sabre Jr. defeating David Starr. This was a really, really good match. Probably the best match of night one, I would say. Um... David Starr coming out, he's a guy who has a spectacularly long ring introduction based on a a series of nicknames. Jim Smallman added the circumcised saviour to his ever-growing list of nicknames here. And Zack Sabre Jr. was introduced as Jeremy Corbyn's favourite wrestler, as he was wearing a Jeremy Corbyn t-shirt for the evening. This was a really good, fast-paced, technical match, as you would expect from Zack Sabre Jr. And... This weekend, not this match, obviously, because you weren't there. This weekend was the first time you had got to see David Starr live. The second weekend I had had the experience. And this guy, every time I see him, just blows me away. Um, He is, I was talking about it on Twitter earlier on today, is like if he has a serious wrestling match to do, uh he is fantastic at it. He is great as like um he very much in the kind of the, the Johnny Gargano role of like the guy who never gives up the baby face in peril, um, who is really, really good at the professional wrestling. He is also, as we will talk about later on, fantastic when it comes to comedy and less serious wrestling. But uh, Zach went over in that match, David Starr dropping out in the first round. One of the big upsets of the first round then was Jack Sexsmith defeating Zach Gibson. Uh, Zach, who is a spectacular dickhead, uh, (laughs) coming out and utterly burying the beloved Jack Sexsmith who uh it was really special and i I urge you to check it out jack when you get the the vod available uh when jack sexsmith came out uh, a friend of the show william brown had passed out rainbow flags around the crowd and uh the place was just a wash in rainbow flags when he came out to the point where jack sexsmith was on the verge of tears uh such was that like his reaction that night was second only to travis uh in terms of just being beloved by the crowd and he caught Zach Gibson on a roll up and it was probably one of if not the biggest pops of the weekend when he won Uh, it was absolutely fantastic
2: well yeah like you were saying earlier you have the great opportunity in tournaments not just to kind of progress people but also to even close the chapter on a story so like a, a few months before Zach Gibson had beaten Jack Sexsmith while Jack was trying to put himself in the frame to get into super strong style 16 right uh and it was really cool that he happened to be up against Zach gibson in the first round this guy like that he found it so difficult to overcome uh and yeah he finally got he finally got his win on him and it must have been an awesome moment and yeah jack sex Myth kind of embodies the element of progress where it's like everyone is welcome like he, he names himself the pansexual <laughs> phenomenon and like I think even maybe five ten years ago in, in, in British wrestling like maybe people wouldn't really know how to take that I think but like it just goes to show kind of tied into the name progress like how far kind of wrestling and that sort of macho tag of it has kind of been shirked by this company. And it's just really cool that we've got someone like Jack Smith in such an important position, I think.
0: Yeah. Uh, Tyler Bate then beat the pastor, William Ever. This was kind of uh, another one of the matches in the first round that you were pretty sure who was getting through. Um, Tyler Bate's a phenomenal wrestler. Uh, The pastor is a fantastic character, and he's coming along leaps and bounds in terms of his in-ring work, but uh, this was kind of a relatively short match. uh, Notable for one thing, and that was Tyler Bate doing a Tyler Driver 97. That was absolutely brutal. Dropping William Eber on his neck and shoulder, and it looked just horrible. Uh, folded him up like an accordion and pinned him relatively quickly. Um, the next match, Flamita defeating Mark Andrews, which was exactly the match you think it was when you see those two names on a sheet. Uh, there was a lot of flips going on, maybe not quite as massively spectacular. As you might have expected, it was still very, very good. But I think owing to the fact that on the first night they needed to get the hell out of there because there was a club night going on and the fact that first round tournament matches you're not going out there to try and have the best match of the weekend you don't want to blow up the crowd when there's three days of wrestling to be done um, they had a really good match um, and Flamita went over which was kind of a little bit of a surprise because Mark Andrews being the, the kind of the, the homegrown fave and Flamita being uh, a, a debutante in the tournament
2: yeah, I think Mark Andrews had such an amazing run to the final in last year's tournament, like being eliminated in the first round and then like finding his way back in due to Haskins's injury. Like He just completely, along with Chris Hero, stole the Super Strong Style 16 last year. So uh, as sad as I was to see him go out in this first round, it was... A, great because we get to see more of Flamita, who, he's just really, really cool, like a, a ball of charisma and can do yeah. insane, crazy, anti-gravity-like things. And B, it kind of gives everyone else a chance. And Haskins, I'm sorry, Andrews is such a, ba- a great baby face that like even if he does get beaten, it, it doesn't take any shine off him whatsoever. And he is just consistently beloved by the audience there. So the main event of the
0: first night, the final first round match, (laughs) Matt Riddle defeated Trent Seven in six seconds. Now, let me set the scene here for people who are thinking he can't have said six seconds. So um, Matt Riddle comes out beloved by all. Trent Seven comes out hated by all. Um, Trent grabs the microphone and says he has a bone to pick with young Matthew across the ring, saying that... He had noticed that on social media that Matthew had been starting a retire Brock Lesnar gimmick. He has a new T-shirt that has retire Brock Lesnar as an untick thing on his checklist for his career. And uh, he said he'd been speaking to his colleague, Brock Lesnar, <laughs> which is a fantastic com- comment. And he was not happy with people laughing at that idea. Um and he was here to kind of um you know right that wrong and uh put a put a whooping a wrestling clinic down on matt riddle he uh he took off his jacket, he took off his tail, he turned around into a flying knee to the head uh proceeded to die on the spot in the middle of the ring. <laughs> matt riddle pinned him six seconds. The crowd went absolutely berserk at this. I think it was. <laughs> On, like If it was a normal kind of one-off uh, chapter show and you end the main event in six seconds, I think people would be annoyed. But in this context where it's the first night of a three-night tournament, a six-second finish was beautiful and then would lead to some of the best comedy of the weekend as all manner of variations on chance involving the number six would break out over the weekend, uh, including referring to him now as Trent six, as opposed to Trent seven.
2: I mean, Um, it's such a happy accident that that match lasted six seconds. Uh, Wasn't it some, some guy by the ring who, yeah, there's,
0: so there's a guy, I don't know his name. uh, sorry. I don't know his name. Uh, He, when he's at the shows, he does the timing for all the matches and he alerted Jim to the fact that it was a six-second match.
2: <laughs> and yeah, it can be more perfect when you've got someone called Seven for their match to end in six <laughs> seconds. It was and perfect. Yeah, my, my favorite charm was converting Shawn Michaels' sexy boy to he's just a sexy <laughs> boy
0: and everyone harmonizing six boy yeah it was it was good times Amazing. and then uh, G- Jim Smallman with the announcing call of the century uh, saying that the winner virtue of knocking Trent Seven the fuck out was <laughs> Matt Riddle who was just like uh, Matt Riddle re- like sold this victory as kind of like a mild surprise that it was that easy it was great <laughs> um, and then uh, Peter and Tyler came out and helped uh trent back to the uh the the back area which was which is good because uh, trent was was selling the knockout like he didn't know where he was It was kind of almost trying to fight them as he was bringing him back and like he you know the match isn't done i'm going back kind of shit it was it was really good trent seven is one of the um like the greatest guys i've ever seen for like the really the real small things in your performance to entertain the crowd he's fantastic at.
2: he's incredibly entertaining
0: Moving on to night two, where the matches get a little bit longer and the tournament gets a bit more interesting. And Jack, you were here for this night. Yeah. It it opened with uh, the London Riots. That's James Davis and Rob Lynch uh, versus Mark Andrews and your favorite human being, Flash Morgan Webster.
2: Listen. (laughs) (laughs) I like Flash Morgan Webster as a man. He is clearly a very nice person he knows a lot about wrestling and he's very passionate about it the mod gimmick is abysmal that's i can't support the mod gimmick i support him as a man his podcast is good his documentary was great but mods it's it's 2017 man <laughs>
0: i just like to bring that up any chance I get. It tickles me no end how annoyed you get by the mod, because you want to love him so much more, and just the mod thing prevents you getting over that final hurdle.
2: I can't. like. I used to do a jokey thing where I I said I didn't like Rob Lynch um, from the London Riots as well, just just to annoy Ian, just because I thought it would be fun to pick one of them that was... Yeah, I just don't like him for whatever reason. Because he was loving the match they were in at the time, uh, and yeah. <laughs> so this match was a a guy that like I I <laughs> I shoot don't like versus a guy that I work don't like. So yeah.
0: <laughs> but uh, this it was match fun. ended. Uh, this match ended with uh, Andrews and Webster picking up the win after one of the riots took a really nasty looking spill into the
2: turnbuckle and out of the ring. Um, looked real bad. Oh that was we awful yeah That was that was Rob Lynch He went charge and missed um, And obviously was going to sell That he hit into the ring post But he did hit the ring post At a, a colossal speed So I hope he was okay
0: <laughs> And we were over at the far side Of where this spill took place And like we, we heard some loud thuds When people hit the floor that weekend Over that side But I think that may have been The loudest of all of them it was, uh, yeah, hope he's okay, because <laughs> that was a real, real nasty-looking fall.
2: If um, he's fine, that was some of the best selling I've ever seen in my life.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, the first quarterfinal of the night, Tyler Bate defeated Mark Haskins. What do you think of this match, Jack?
2: I thought this was a really good back-and-forth match. I think, I think a lot of people expected Tyler to win it, but in the back of my head... I thought it would have been a nice story if they were to give Haskins uh, at least a good berth towards the last stage of the tournament just because of him getting ill and it just not happening for him last year. i I'm pretty sure that he was kind of slotted to win it last year. Cause Tommy N stepped in and won it. And I think by that stage, people kind of had rumblings that he was headed to WWE and they wanted to give Haskins his, his moment in the sun. And, you know, he did eventually go on and win the title. They, they found a way to get him into a three way at Brixton and, and he won via some Jimmy Havoc assistance. But, it wasn't to be for him this year and um, this kind of tournament really was about the two guys who eventually ended up clashing in the final one of which of course Tyler and this match and this performance was great from both men and there's a little bit of a vicious nasty streak to Haskins lately and I, I think it kind of maybe leads towards something that they might be doing with him um, awesome. what do you reckon
0: yeah, I think so too. I think we we, we saw two kind of um, sort of motions towards a towards a heel turn this weekend from Mark Haskins and from Jimmy Havoc as well on on night three. Um, I think we we discussed off the air uh, the the possibility of I think it would be very refreshing for Haskins in particular, who a lot of steam has has gone off him uh, since he's come back from his near retirement um he came back real kind of hot everybody was into the idea of haskins getting right back in that title picture and you you feel the momentum has gone a little bit and something needs to come in there to, to freshen things up and with the direction they're going with british strong style i don't see him getting in the mix there again anytime soon so i think a heel turn is coming wouldn't you
2: yeah and I- I never really doubt progress because Jim's thing is always like, if you don't like the way a show or kind of a couple of shows end or the way they go, or they seem like a a little bit of an unfinished story, like just wait because eventually something will kind of come along and it will capture your imagination. And, and I think that's the same with Haskins. Like they, they may have slowed him down a bit intentionally. I mean, It's very hard for anyone to stay in the title picture with Pete Dunne right now because that guy is just a a transcendent performer. and, And we saw him and fellow participant in this match, Tyler Bate, have an amazing match at NXT that we've already talked about. So, yeah, it's tough to keep somebody's kind of burning... Uh, momentum going when you know that they're not going to make a a clear run at the title so yeah maybe they decided a while ago that's what they were going to do with Haskins and to make it believable they're kind of gradually getting in there and and I'm fine with that Mm.
0: um the second quarterfinal of the night uh, Zack Sabre Jr. defeating Zack Saxsmith or Jack Sexmith even <laughs> um, this was a really well laid out story of this match that uh, Jack Sexmith had uh, torn his bicep on night one and was coming out but refusing to give up uh, and you're thinking to yourself well here's a wrestler who's good at limb manipulation and submission going up against a one iron man. We know how this is going to go. Uh, I thought Zach uh, as I was pointing out to you when we were watching it, Zach was doing a really good job of portraying himself as like really reluctantly doing what he was doing. You know he had a grim task ahead of him he He just had to beat him he didn't overdo it." Uh, he just did exactly enough to beat him. He never, uh, crucially, because uh, Zack Sabre Jr. is a babyface in progress, he never went aggressively at the bad arm, but uh, tapped him out with the other arm. What do you think of this affair? I thought this was some really good storytelling and a good way to kind of um, get Jack out of the tournament without putting a lot of heat on the guy who beat him.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like, And it was a shoot injury, jack sexsmith has confirmed it like on twitter and yeah. stuff that that he had genuinely torn his bicep and i thought the real star of this match was Zack sabre jr like his body language his facials of like jack at the start of the match announcing that he was gonna compete and that he, he did want them to ring the bell and you just saw zach sabre's head drop like oh please don't make me kick the shit out of this guy uh, yeah
0: not, not not i won't kick the shit out of this guy like i will but i don't want to
2: i really don't want to um and someone chanting that's not labor which i thought was yeah. quite funny as well uh but yeah they did the best with a shit situation that had been served to them and and a few pretty vicious slaps from Sexsmith that he got in before zach kind of took him to the mat and, and eventually put him away
0: yeah i wonder if um it, it's interesting because i wonder if if he had been healthy were they going to have this match roughly play out kind of similar with zach reluctantly beating him or were they going to have jack somehow get a win over zach sabre jr and then put even more heat on tyler by having him beat jack in the semi-final i guess we'll never know
2: i feel um, like they can't I- I love Jack Sexsmith. I love the Jack Sexsmith story, but I I don't think they would have him beat Zack Sabre Jr. You would think.
0: No. Um, the third of four quarterfinals. <sighs> Matt Riddle defeating Jeff Cobb. This was...
2: Well, let me just say, fight. match of the weekend. I mean, this blew me away. It was... Insane. The strength of these two men. Let me tell you.
0: When. Because when this, this was your, the first experience you had of, of Jeff Cobb this night. And when Jeff Cobb removed his ring jacket, you nearly shrieked.
2: The <laughs> man is huge. Like, obviously, I've seen him in plenty of PWG matches and here, there, and everywhere about w- WXW. And it just. It's insane to see how. In just muscular, like he's a different species to me. Like I could never hope to achieve such tonality of my muscles. And yeah, he's just a solid ass kicking machine. Look at him.
0: He is built like a shed. Uh, Matt Riddle is is built like a fucking god. He's a
2: full on (laughs) suitcase. The the two of
0: them knocked the shite out of each other for quite some time for our enjoyment, and everybody was super into it. And uh, Matt Riddle picking up the win over Jeff Cobb here. Uh, an absolutely fantastic match. One of the definite ones to circle for watching on VOD when it does come out. Go straight um, to it.
2: What? Sorry? I just said go straight to this match. Go straight to it. It was spectacular. There is a spot um, in this match which I don't want to ruin, which y- you think that physics... Like every possible theory of physics could be explained <laughs> until you saw one of the moves in this match, and you just think, How is that possible?
0: The final quarterfinal then was a Travis Banks defeating Flamita. This was a really good match. Like I said, um I don't know if by design, but it certainly is the way it panned out that. Every single round Travis was having a different kind of match. So like I said, in the in the first round it was more of a brawl. This was a real this was this was a lucha match, this was, and and Travis coming out over Flamita here. I, I was so happy when Flamita was announced for this tournament, and these are the kind of matches I had in my head picked out to to see him in. Um, absolutely great affair here. Your your thoughts on your, your first experience of Flamita Live.
2: Yeah, he's just a flawlessly great high flyer, incredibly charismatic, instantly love. We had a, a chant starting this match uh, for Flamita to the tune of Man Eater by Hall Notes, which is <laughs> one of my all-time favorite progress chants. It's up there with people trying to reverse moves and everyone shouting press R2. Like, that's how good it is. Uh, yeah, I-, I loved it. And you're right, Trav complete switch up in styles from from his first night match and managed to have a some really great lucha spots in this match and some some high flying and just showing that versatility but even like with a different style he still maintains that kind of steely faced intensity uh, of his performances Mm. which i just think like every aspect every fiber of of travis looks believable as a fighter yeah. and it doesn't matter it's like it, it's like fight.
0: it's like we've got brian danielson back again
2: <laughs> i mean i don't want to go as far just because i'm sure like but, he'd find that comparison difficult to live up to but i know exactly what you mean
0: and it's the same kind of style like everything he does looks believable he's adaptable to any style and he's just in spite of kind of not being the the biggest or the strongest looking guy in the world looks hard as fucking nails um i i I was i was kind of hard pushed to think but i i think uh, in this match and in every match he was in we saw flamita hit his moonsault to the outside from the top rope i i I am hard pushed to think of someone who does a more picture perfect moonsault than flamita it really is like time freezes when that guy comes off the top rope
2: the hang time he gets is insane and just the rotation is is inch perfect like it, he looks like he would never injure himself doing that. It is it, a sight to behold. Uh, we we then had a tag team match which was
0: British Strong Style. Pete Dunn and Trent Seven defeating the team, the spectacular team of David Starr and William Eever. Uh Jack, the the ring
2: introductions alone for
0: this match were worth a ticket price.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was. It was pretty incredible. Um, Jesus Christ, David Starr to the the theme tune of Jesus Christ Superstar, my favourite chant uh, for these two. David Starr is just an absolute bundle of charismatic intensity. He's hilarious. And it just worked perfectly with the pastor because that everybody loves him. And just it, these two... <laughs> the spot where Jim, where Jim said some know the pastor is the king of the Jews, and 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 David starts selling it like no way you cannot do this to me, was was amazing. And then yeah, and like, the, Pete,
0: the Jim correcting himself by saying some, some say people,
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Pete and Trent coming out and never have I seen Pete. <laughs> enter a building and be more ignored than this as the entire crowd (laughs) chanted six. Everyone held up a five and a middle finger with the other hand. The whole back section of the building had six on a piece of paper and just the look of utter disdain, disgust, and yet subtle disappointment on Trent's face and, and the way he carried himself was amazing
0: i have never seen pete dunn come closer to cracking um it was just the heat and the chants and everything and him getting on the microphone and everybody chanting six of them then the match starting and pastor does a spot where like his partner puts him in the arm ringer and he comes off with the clasped hands in prayer as like a double axe handle and people encouraging him to do it six times um <laughs> they totally fantastic. lost count
2: as well yeah,
0: particularly my favourite part of that was the in between one of the arm ringers, uh, Trent turning around and kind of like reaching out in hope that he might somehow reach all the way across the ring and faintly, faintly yeah. shouting Peter Peter <laughs> <laughs> like I said Trent is one of the best in the world at just the little things that really entertain you
2: in a match yeah. um, he's such a they committed to- performer isn't he Everything is 110%. Yeah, and no one like no one, will be more eager
0: to make an absolute tit out of himself if it makes a better match. Um, and that, this match was great evidence of that, just leading into favorite, the sixth thing.
2: One of my favourite spots, I, I'm not sure if it was this match or the day, maybe it was this match the day after, but Trent's gimmick, usually when he's a face, obviously he doesn't do it in progress, but he'll... Get to the apron and do a really slow roll into the ring, and then stand up, and everyone cheers. But he got knocked out. I can't remember if it was the pastor, it was, or it was David. It was, Star. it
0: was it was I, it was David Starr because David Starr nearly had him out, and then stopped, and everyone booed, and he ran back and knocked him out.
2: Yeah, and then he just slowly rolled him out of the ring and just as he hung on the apron just gave him a little toe poke over the edge and it got the same cheery reaction. He gets him like Rev Pro or Fight Club Pro and they do the same spot and genius.
0: Oh, it was yeah, it was it was a really good match and really good at kind of uh, taking you down before the main event to to make sure everybody had, was kind of reserved and ready for it, and that main event was the inaugural Progress Women's Title match, uh, the final of the Natural Progression series that saw Tony Storm overcoming Ginny and Laura DiMatteo um a lot of people were kind of down on this match Jack um I in particular my, my kind of note was that uh, there were various points in this match where I fe- legitimately feared for the safety of all three of these women uh that was the bit that kind of took me out of the match there was a particularly scary moment with Laura slipping on the top rope um But other than that, I I didn't think the match was that bad. There were a lot of people more down on it than I was. I thought it was just kind of, it was fine. There was some real kind of, they were laying their shit in towards the end. That's for sure. uh, To make this a big deal. What what did you think of it?
2: Yeah, I think my, there's only two criticisms I think I have of this match. I would have preferred it to be a one-on-one match. whether they wanted to tell the story of Ginny versus Laura or whether it's Tony versus Ginny as these two like Titans of female wrestling in progress, or whether it's like Laura, the young pretender versus Tony, the established brilliant, like women's wrestler. And that would have been really cool. Um, The three way, it it doesn't feel as satisfying. Strangely. I, I can't explain it, but like, when we got to the final of super strong cell 16 and it was just tyler versus travis like it, the intensity level kicks up a notch and i think it's just a one on one match it, it feels a bit better the other one was the pacing of the match like you could tell these women were so eager to put in like, like a really good performance that everything they did like right from minute 1 was just 100 miles an hour intensity and I feel like there was that little bit of adrenaline here and it could have and it would have been easier again one on one but it could have dealt like just a little bit of a slow build up to, to doing spots but other than that it was great entertainment Tony Storm is just the total package and uh, I'm very happy that she, he managed to come out with a win because I think she's the sort of person you can build a women's division around. Ginny, a brilliant heel, just absolutely devious and evil and on the weekend when everybody's obsessed with Zack Sabre Jr.'s relationship with Jeremy Corbyn and she's getting chance of Tory and just lapping it up and loving it. Uh, and yeah, Laura Di Matteo is a, a, a woman that's kind of built up a real cult following of the Progress fans, mainly because she used to be Ginny's like psychic and then she broke away from her and she's got the whole MMA looking approach now. I kind of felt for a, f- a few moments in this match because there are a few spots that didn't quite go away. And again, I think it's just nerves and stuff, but I certainly wasn't as down on it. And I just think it's so cool that you have the, like a woman's title match headlining one of the nights on this massive weekend for the company. It's a really great, piece of symbolism as to how far the women's division has come because there wasn't one for the first year or two of progress and then now you have all these great people who are involved in the natural progression tournament all the way through and i just think rather than just isolating the match or bits that didn't quite go for the the women i think the whole thing is like a package has been great
0: uh moving on to night 3 uh as the, uh, the the man who is the expert in this field tell people a little bit about the the waste man challenge jack <laughs>
2: uh well dave before progress had you heard of the term waste man
0: no This okay. is an exclusive body guy roy johnson term as far as i'm concerned <laughs>
2: uh Not necessarily, but it's kind of indicative of the grime movement uh, in in the UK sort of started roughly 10 or 12 years ago. So kind of UK, London specifically, South London hip-hop scene that exploded and, you know, brought about like Dizzy Rascal and Skepta and JME and Giggs and Tiny Temper kind of went a bit more mainstream with it. But, you know... Um, um, and, and more recently, Stormzy, of course, gotta give it up to my man Stormzy. Anyway, so Waste Man in that kind of genre is, you know, a bit of a dick. You, you, you got nothing going for you. You are a waste man. So there you go. <laughs> and Roy Johnson's gimmick is that he's a bit of a a, a grime artist himself, except that he's absolutely terrible so he'll come out and challenge the people to sort of like air battle raps in in this sort of eight mile style and um, some of these segments have led to absolutely amazing things like madman manson pushing the limits of things you can say in decency in public or eddie dennis playing up the welsh card by doing a goldie looking chain song and uh, So, yeah, Jack Sexsmith trading bars with him back and forth once as well. It was really great. And I think kind of built into a three-day tournament, this is like a nice little thing to get the crowd warmed up after, you know, two days of wrestling and probably a lot of hangovers for the people that were drinking. So, yeah, out comes Roy. Massive reaction. Everybody loves him. Uh, And then to challenge him, out comes David Starr. But but you're
0: you're, you're fast forwarding that everybody (laughs) Began chanting for Jeremy Corbyn to come out first
2: (laughs) Yeah, and in Roy's words Uh, Man's a little busy right now
0: Look, uh, yeah, he's like, I'm going to end this right now He is a bit busy
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so David Starr comes out And then, like, was it So Flamia comes out and then Flash Morgan Webster comes out, and then Mark Andrews comes out, and you just had all of them out there. William Eva as well, of course, and a few people got a few bars in on on Roy. We had David Starr because he's from Philadelphia doing Fresh Prince and totally bungling the lyrics, uh, <laughs> among other things. Flash having a go at the fact that like, was it flash or mandrews who had mandrews. the line about triple h uh, yeah. triple h didn't call roy back and it was the reaction was one of the biggest ones i think until the <laughs> second half of the show it was great you should, you should
0: check it out i actually watched the facebook video the waste man challenge uh, when i was in the airport this morning on my way home And I didn't notice that pretty much all of the other guys, when managers delivered this line, they took a bump and started selling how amazing this burn was.
2: (laughs) Uh, It was great. And then it got Um, super weird. Jimmy Havoc came out with a chair.
0: Before that, Flamita did the Macarena. Oh,
2: Flamita did do the Macarena. (laughs) There was a weird thing with Pasta as well, where he's got like a marathon medal now and He was like, check out my medals, bruv, because Roy's gimmick is that he's got like a weightlifting champion medal, which is legit, by the way. Like he was one of the strongest men in the world at one stage. Uh, Yeah. And then Havoc came out, right, and just started battering everyone with chairs because Jimmy Havoc. Every time you saw Havoc over the course of this weekend, he was throwing a chair at someone. He's he just the sun man now. He threw chairs through the curtain, that uh, trend. No, no, do you know is? He's New Jack. <laughs> yeah, like somewhere between New Jack and Stone Cold. <laughs> yeah, he just wanders in with weaponry and batters everyone. Pretty much. And then it turned into a match. Uh, a weird spot of David Starr, like, crotch-bumping people in the head. And then... As if from nowhere, Jack Sexsmith appears <laughs> and willingly accepts his crutch punch to the head. Uh, and then I-, I think Flamita won, didn't he? Yeah, he did. <laughs> it, this <laughs>
0: his, whole thing. I think it was with his running Spanish fly, I think.
2: This whole thing is the biggest train wreck I've ever seen yet. I couldn't help but love all of it.
0: The only thing it was missing, it was such a weird, like, obtuse comedy match. The only thing it was missing was Chuck Taylor. Yeah. That's what it felt like. (laughs) All it was missing was sexy Chuck E.T. coming out in a dress, maybe.
2: Yeah.
0: Why not? Uh, we then had our first semi, semi-final match, and uh, an observation you made early on in the night, Jack, here, was that these semi-finals uh, perhaps lacked the heat you might have expected, because I think everybody was doing the, the tournament mats in their head, and we're pretty sure who was getting through both of these matches, but the first one had Travis banks and Zach Sabre jr. Again, a different type of match from Travis banks. Very, very technical this time. A lot of ground based offense and defense going on here. And he overcame Zach Sabre jr.
2: This was a great match. I, I can't yes, wait to see this back. I can't wait to see both semifinals back. Cause I feel like we've talked about like how good the crowd and stuff were in the building over the course of a weekend, but they were just a little bit flat over these two matches because like you said, people kinda of figured out where the results were going and uh, it almost kinda of detracts from how good these matches were because this match in, in particular, I, I was shocked at how good and how like beat for beat Trav was at the technical wrestling with was Zack Sabre Junior. Like he really impressed me in this match. I think this in terms of like something I necessarily didn't know he could do was the most impressive match from Trav over the course of the weekend for me.
0: Absolutely. And then in the other semi final, Tyler Bate defeated Matt Riddle. And this was a great match as well to start off with. Tyler taking his shoes off. Uh, with the intention of going for a, a, a More of a, a shoot style Against Matt Riddle And they beat the high holy
2: fuck out of each other Jack Yeah they did Some of the chops in this match were hideous <laughs> Hideous definitely... brutal You would have thought water had turned up in the building The chops that were being thrown in this match
0: but this was great. This was back and forth. And I think this was the closest anyone came to actually buying that there might be an upset in the semi-final. There was one particular, was it off the, the bro to sleep? Where uh, uh, I think it was
2: off a pile driver. It a pile driver. Hit. And I think people genuinely thought, ah, there's a chance that Tyler's losing this. Because all the way through, I think people being a bit too smart for their own good predicted, it's got to be a heel versus face final, you know. Bet story and all that, but so hard did these two work and so much of the shit did they kick out of each other that by the end riddle was getting believable near fours out of the crowd.
0: Uh, our last match before the interval on night three was the number one contendership match for the progress women's title. And that was Katie Ray defeating Katie Harvey. And I think this was another match that, uh, partially suffered from a bit of weekend fatigue for people. Um, also, having followed, like, the the crowd was pretty hot for the two semi finals. Uh, also, another case of people were almost 100% certain Katie Ray was winning this match before it even started. And the fact that the Progress audience are still getting used to OTT's own Katie Harvey. Um, I, I thought this match, it wasn't that it was a bad match, Shaq. I thought it was just maybe a bit too safe. There wasn't really
2: anything of huge note that happened here. I mean, they're a massive dish straight away. Like the match quality up to this point, they just followed two matches with arguably what top 30 in the world wrestlers at the moment. Mm. Like you would put Matt Riddle, you would put Zack Sabre Jr comfortably in the top 30 in the world wrestlers, as, as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. And Tyler and Trav definitely in the top 100, if not the top 50 at the moment as well. So Mm -hmm. how do you follow those two matches, knowing that the interval is coming up as well? Like, maybe a few more spots might have hooked the crowd in a bit more, but it told the story it needed to tell. It was a decent, functional match. I just think in the context of the day and the context of the weekend, a sort of standard match... Mm. is gonna stand out and look not as good because of the insane level of quality yeah and i I think
0: they did what they needed to do they got their number one contender in kaylee ray and they they set up the the match with tony storm having them face off and kaylee ray go a little bit heel by slapping her in the face and bailing out of the ring um so that's that first defense for tony storm set up for a an undetermined date down the line somewhere. Uh, starting up after the interval, the final part of the final night of Super Strong Style 16, we had Trent Seven defeating Mark Haskins in a submissions-only match. Uh, again, the heat here for Trent Seven was unbelievable, um, and he eventually tapped out Mark Haskins via shenanigans.
2: Yeah. Um, so... This kind of continued a bit of the narrative you were mentioning earlier with Jimmy Havoc and Mark Haskins, and maybe they're going to do something with them as a two because you had Trent come out. (laughs) So even actually before we get to the match, there was a a promo that Mark Haskins cut on uh, Trent Seven calling him like a pussy and a bitch, and that's very, you know heelish behaviour people
0: weren't big fans of the language in that particular promo
2: (laughs) they weren't and everybody was kind of like subtly taking a dig at him by chanting pussy butch pussy butch pussy bitch in that sort of weird cadence that he said it on the video which is kind of good from the progress audience and Haskins didn't really acknowledge it so clearly the intention was to be a heel I didn't notice, Dave, that Jimmy Haver could come out to do commentary on this match. <laughs> yeah, oh, this is one of my favourite moments of the weekend. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So uh, from my position, I could see around the speaker, so I could see the edge of the commentary table. So I had seen that they they wrestled up onto the stage and I had seen that that Jimmy Havoc appeared. I don't know at what point exactly he appeared to hand Haskins a chair. Now, again, this may be sort of teasing that the two of those are going to, you know, hook up and and do something as as a tag team, maybe at some stage. But uh, he hands Haskins the chair, but Trent, uh, was it Trent ducked? was it?
2: Yeah, so Trent, so Trent ducked out of the way. Haskins Trent, lobbed the chair at him full pelt and ducked and it, out of and, the way. And Jimmy
0: Havoc was not uh, exactly quick to put up his hands, and it thundered off the skull, and
2: he went down like a sack of spuds. Oh, wait, you know what, no. I, Trent, yeah. Trent threw the chair at Haskins because he stole it off him, didn't he? That was it, yeah. And...
0: I didn't know this but Jack did not see because the speakers on the stage were cutting off his viewpoint that he didn't see this so I turned around to say to Jack my god Jimmy Havoc is after taking another header with a chair again and I saw your jaw on the floor because <laughs> what had you thought had happened I, I thought it was Glenn from Progress <laughs> no, no. The commentator had been Sculled with a chair You're genuinely Like there was no Pretense towards acting It was genuine shock Glenn had been KO'd By a flying chair
2: I thought it was fair To Glenn I would not want to take that spot
0: (laughs) I mean I wouldn't want to even be In the vicinity of a chair Being thrown at Jimmy's head Um, So fair play to him For staying nearby I suppose
2: Yeah and it was good From the crowd Chanting you fucked up One of my favourite little things about the Progress crowd, when they chant, you fucked up, it's usually because someone has done something that will lead to them being utterly destroyed by someone else. Yeah. (laughs) And obviously, Jimmy woke up, came down to the ring, uh, went to waffle Trent with a chair. Again, Trent managed to weasel his way out of it and just the sickest chair shot. I've seen in a long time on Haskins unprotectors of the head as well, which, you know, Jim will hate Uh And yeah, he was knocked out. So Trent put him in a submission, but the ref just called it. And yeah, there was a weird moment then because so Jimmy helped get Mark up. And I think everyone thought maybe one of them would turn on each other because yeah. Jimmy had just killed Mark and, Jimmy was doing a
0: really subtle thing here Which I really like Is when he was
2: lifting him up He
0: was holding his left arm Yeah In the position that he could have Rolled him out into the acid rainmaker Very easily Uh, I thought that was a really Nice little subtle thing
2: But no They just walked off arm in arm So Definitely something happening here Surely
0: Then we had the Progress world title match With Pete Dunne Defending against Jeffrey Cobb uh, this was quite a match while it lasted uh.
2: I love the way it started as well like you know you got Pete standing across the room from Jeff Cobb and probably think to himself how am I going to take this guy down and the ref turns around to ring the bell and Pete just kicks him straight in the nuts with a v- just vicious vicious shot and yeah that was another time I think everyone was shouting, You fucked up. Because when Cobb recovered, he began to throw him across the ring with great ease. <laughs> and 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 violence it was
0: it was quite something Pete Dunne is one of my my favourite wrestlers to watch in the world and, and Jeff Cobb is right up there as well this was really good I hope we get another uh, like a, a rematch of this somewhere down the line but uh, I was surprised that Pete Dunne went over here clean because I'm I'm kind of I don't know about you but I'm kind of getting accustomed to when I see British Strong Style I just assume shenanigans are not far off
2: yeah but I think it's cool because I mean, Jeff Cobb's going to be maybe this might be his only ever progress appearance if he comes back. Awesome. But I think it was kind of the right thing to do because we know Pete's going to be here as long as WWE let him basically. (laughs) Uh, He could get called up at any point because he's already that good at the age of 24 or whatever he is. It's depressing how good he is at that age. Um, What I thought was really cool, though, was not only did Pete get him up for the X-Plex, but he got him up for his finisher as well, like the pump handle slam. I'm not entirely sure what he calls that. The what, sorry? His pump handle slam finisher. The bitter end. The bitter end. There you go. Uh, What an idiot. Uh, (laughs) But he got him up for an X-Plex and a bitter end, and that's very impressive for a man of Jeff Cobb's size.
0: And he, he got like so quickly as well like one yeah. after the other it was he, and, and yet, yeah, like you said Jeff Cobb's a big boy <laughs> yes like you said yeah a suitcase like it was uh, it was impressive and like you said if it is his only appearance or if they don't know if they will get him back anytime soon you put the champion over him strong it makes Pete that much kind of bigger of a, a champion in progress and makes it that mean that much more when someone eventually comes along and beats him speaking of which, the final of Super Strong Style 16 Travis Banks defeating Tyler Bate, talk to me a second Jack, about the atmosphere at the start of this match, you you got to experience what I did on night one with the people are going to tear this building down if
2: Travis doesn't win yeah, I mean how many chances of Travis our champion were there
0: Oh, and just that like the, the heat before they even touched the building was shaking with people yeah, stamping but... the floor and cheering. It was it was a real
2: moment. I've never seen anything like that in progress just for a face-off of two people. There were people on their feet applauding and stamping and it was a thunderous eruption and I could just see like the smiles and the excitement on everyone's faces. Like We talked about the crowd being a little bit dead for the semis earlier but my god were they alive for this final. One of
0: my favourite things about this match, thinking about it back, is that it had a little bit of every element of what Travis had been doing in every round thus far. It was like a greatest hits They brawled outside the ring, there was stuff involving chairs, reminiscent of the jimmy havoc match there were some top rope moves uh including tyler once again breaking out his spiral tap having watched his aj styles tapes recently um reminiscent of uh travis's match with flamita which was very flippy and we had a lot of kind of grappling as well early on in the match that was reminiscent of the Zack saber jr match uh this was really really good storytelling match was back and forth throughout it was really well done like, even though I think a lot of people before this match started would have said, right, okay, Travis is winning. The match did a really good job of taking you away from that and really not knowing what was going to happen. Uh, as we wore down towards the end, like I said before, a staple of British Strong Style, the shenanigans, they came out, tried to fuck over Travis Banks and who should appear only the best boys, CCK, and
2: once again, Jack, a deafening pop for those men. I think it was bigger than Manchester pop. Like people went nuts because everyone was expecting British Strong Style to interfere, and they did. And there was a couple of ref bumps, and it was just that Mm. surge of anticipation. You knew something was coming, and then Jim had had used some very
0: careful language on night one, saying that uh, because people had chanted for CCK on night one, and he had said, "You know, they're not here tonight, and they're in Milton Keynes tomorrow." But he said nothing about the Monday night. Um, (laughs) Now, people had thought, because a couple of times on night one, he had forgotten that it was three nights. He kept saying two nights. So people were kind of saying, oh, you know, passing it off as that. But as soon as British Strong Style got involved and started beating down Travis, the chance started of CCK. And yeah, when they came out, people lost their goddamn minds. They did some cool, sick fucking tag moves, as they do, because they are CCK. They took out British Strong Style.
2: That uh, um, DDT by Lycos on Peter was insane. Oh
0: my, my word, it was a filthy DDT. Um, they all brawled to the back, leaving the two men alone. It went on a little while longer, and eventually Travis Banks overcame Tyler Bate uh, again a fucking amazing reaction to this streamers thrown into the ring. Um, and I think at the end of the day, you'll find, you'll find it very hard to get someone who will disagree with the booking of this tournament and who won it.
2: Yeah. I think it was perfect. I think everyone wanted to try to win and it just goes to show like it's not always the right move to try and throw people off the scent or, you know, Look like you're going to deliver one thing and del- deliver something completely different. If what you are giving people is what they want and you do it in a really genuine, sincere, and brilliant way, then people will be just as happy, I think. Like, not everybody wants to be surprised all the time sometimes people just want something and that building as a collective wanted trav to to win this match more than anything in the world and i hope that comes across when people watch it back
0: yeah absolutely and i think as well um and it's an underrated thing about you know we started this conversation talking about the, the booking and the the psychology behind wrestling tournaments it's probably appropriate that we end this way um, I, I think what's what often happens is when you build to something over the course of a tournament, over a course of multiple shows, sometimes the payoff uh, can be a little bit disappointing. It doesn't live up to the hype. But I think in terms of, like you said, with the not going for a swerve and having the guy everyone was getting behind win it. And also the quality of the match. I think this was the perfect tournament final. I'm, I'm lucky enough that in both wrestling tournaments I've attended this year, uh, this and 16 carat, we had two great finals. Travis Banks beating Tyler Bate here and Ilya Dragunov beating Walter in the final of 16 carat. I think we're perfectly booked tournament finals and really makes this... Uh, tournament here this super strong style 16 tournament the perfect package from start to finish I can't think of a thing I would have booked differently really in hindsight no uh, absolutely phenomenal uh well i think we'll we'll leave it at that for now for the grapple we don't really have uh, much else to talk about like we could we could definitely bore people here to tears jack by talking about our fine selections of food that we enjoyed over the weekend you were my, my <laughs> gast my gastronomic tour guide for the weekend and we enjoyed some some righteous barbecue and, yeah. and other such things but uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that instead maybe save that for another day we'll be back on the wrap up in, in a month or two whenever there's something significant to talk about I, I I can't imagine there'll be much to talk about this side of SummerSlam but you never know keep an eye out on the link to the cast podcast feed and you will see us pop up at some stage um, so from jack lazell here on the on the line with me and from mark robinson who was on the show earlier on and myself dave ryan thank you for tuning in to another episode of the grap up here from link to the and we will see you again
2: and just to confirm mark's not dead